This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had an awesome weekend. Maybe reconnected with friends and family that you usually ignore during football Sundays. Um, Pretty lean sports weekend, although we did have the NHL All-Star festivities, which we'll dive into a little bit. But good news, the league is back tonight with five or six games tonight on the slate. Jets still off for a few more days. They are back Saturday night, 9 p.m. home game against the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll uh, take a look at the Jets' final 30 games and the, um, well, basically the division, the West, the National Hockey League at the break, as well as talk about some big bomber news with Jeff Hamilton coming up a little bit later on. But speaking of that blue bomber news, um, I think most bomber fans pretty darn happy to hear that Nick Dembski is back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on a three-year contract announced yesterday by the Winnipeg Football Club. And Dembski will be first up this week on Winnipeg Sports Talk, joining us in just over 20 minutes from now. Um, We'll also talk a little bit more about the All-Star Game, how it can be better, and what it was like being there. Because I think the experience of having boots on the ground very different than maybe for television viewers. Sean Shapiro from uh, EP Rinkside, going to jump on a little bit later on. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, Michael Remus. Just before you do that, I do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, <clears throat> excuse me, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, Nick & Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and our why not question of the day from our friends at Not Auto Corp over at Waverly and McGillivray. Remo, what's up? How was your weekend? Yeah, you mentioned reconnecting with friends and family. Uh, I think that was the first time for me that I, that I like the first time in weeks that I wasn't watching what my phone on um, all Sunday. So are you hearing me okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but first time I wasn't uh, all Sunday watching my, my phone refreshing scores, so. Uh, earned some points there with my wife. It was good. <laughs> well done. Well done. Paying attention to everything you got going on the, uh, on the home front. Um, yeah, listen, it, I, I'm, uh, it's going to be a great week. Chiefs Eagles touchdown yesterday in Glendale for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. And we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about that. Uh, and of course we do have the National Hockey League back, although we'll have to wait a few days for the Winnipeg Jets to get back on it. Um, NFL Pro Bowl happened as well. It was really interesting watching the differences from the National Football League's per presentation to what the NHL did. And listen, I think both of these leagues have major challenges when it comes to putting together a compelling and fun product for their fans. Um, certainly we know with football, I mean, they really had to basically gas the game because, um, you know, there, there's no way that professional football players can play to the level that they do in a regular season game or a playoff game in an exhibition game with teammates from all around the league. So they did create a number of um, well, flag football games as well as some other fun events, the best catch. I love the move the chains event with the big offensive linemen and sort of a a team weight pulling event. That was a lot of fun. Uh, 
But Remo, of course, I think most people uh, in our chat room and listening to this podcast and show, probably if they watched anything, paid attention to the NHL All-Star Game. And first off, I got to give a shout out to Josh Morrissey and Connor Hellebuck, great representatives of the Winnipeg Jets, especially Morrissey with that pink suit he rocked for the events on the weekend. Certainly one of the best dressed guys out there. Um, and then both took part in the uh, in the All-Star Game. Central Division won their first game and then ended up losing to the Atlantic in the final. But uh, overall, there was some good. There was some bad. Uh, what what did you think of the NHL's All-Star festivities, Reem? Um, yeah, well, I, I thought the skills competition, normally a highlight for me, Hustler. Uh, I didn't think that it was particularly... Great. Um, do you want to get and start getting into our likes and dislikes from the weekend, or how, yeah, how should I yeah, do this? Let's let's get after it. Okay, Nick Dempsey's so, going to join us in a little bit, but I know that you've had some takes on that game. Yeah, I, I do as well, but I'm interested in your thoughts, and we will talk about this a little more with Sean Shapiro, as I mentioned, so, the second hour of the program. So I'm seeing seeing a lot of um, comments in chat, and I'll start off. We'll start off with Friday, and uh, just the way they ordered it, I think, was hard to watch. Where they would start an event. And they wanted you to, and Sean talks about this later, or we'll talk with him later about it, but, you know, they wanted you to, like, they wanted to hook you in. So you'd start watching an event, you're like, well, I want to know how this event ends. And they would kind of sprinkle it through, instead of just starting an event and fish, finishing it. I think that was, I think that just pissed people off. They had the two events outside of the rink, pre-taped. I actually liked the dunk tank one. I thought that was cool. My highlight for me from that was Shesterkin going at it with the goalie stick. Um, These guys with yeah. the goalie sticks are really impressive. And you saw that in the attendee tandem. Um, this breakaway challenge. Like, when did it turn into, like, how can we create a skit that ends in a breakaway instead of, like, actually showing off some skill? Because, look, you're not going to find a bigger Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore fan than me, Hustler. But David Pasternak, coming out in a Happy Gilmore jersey... For some reason, had Gilmore 18 on the back, which is not accurate in the movie. He does not have a name and number on the back. But, like, I don't know what that was and who that's appealing to, but that wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't entertaining. I'm seeing a lot of people in chat writing, it was, like, it was cringe. Like, it was, it was not good. And I, let me try to go on. I like seeing Josh Morrissey in Hardest Shot. McDavid going four for four with the fastest time was probably the highlight of the actual skill. Portion, but there wasn't enough display of, of skill, and it was a lot of waiting around. And um, well, at, at, <clears throat> as far as the breakaways go, I don't know what you can do with this event um, other than maybe just cancel it. Like last year, Trevor Zegers got all the love for his dodgeball-inspired performance. But this here's the thing. No one really cared in the end that he dressed up like the guys from Dodgeball. It was the ridiculous skill that he used showing that move that he did with his stick. Um, like that That's what made that cool. That's why that thing went viral. Not because of the average Joe's uh, outfit that he was wearing. So it's cool that Mitch Marner dressed up like one of the Miami Vice guys and he looked awesome. But you still have to do something noteworthy when it comes to <laughs> the breakaway. And the same thing with, with the Happy Gilmore. I mean, if you wanted to do something cool that people remembered as far as the actual breakaway, I think it would have resonated a lot more. But right now, yeah, I try not to use that word cringe. I think it's way, way overblown. 
but it was appropriate at a few points in the uh, in in the event. And um, I mean, to me, and we've talked about this a little bit before, Rio. I would love to see a bigger competition of the things that people really do like and come for: hardest shot, fastest skater. Um, if I mean, they you know only have four or five guys in both of those events. I mean, if you really wanted to make it great, I mean, I think you get representatives from all the teams in the skills competition. And that, I think, would open up more spots for legitimate all-stars as far as guys that are only there because their team has to have a representative. Um, but I did like, I mean, there are some neat things that they're doing, like that golf bit was uh, was actually pretty neat, although obviously pre-taped beforehand. And I think there's some potential with that dunk tank thing. Uh, although the best thing about it was if you really wanted to make that event massive, have the winners be able to dunk Gary Bettman at the end of it. That 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 would have made things um and that would have got all the all the social media views that um they could handle and more. I think yeah, first of all, there wasn't really the viral moment that you had with this Trevor Zegris. I mean, the skill that he showed was amazing. Why you wouldn't invite him back, do whatever the fact that he's an all-star or not. Um, we're just talking about the skills. I mean, the skills competition. I think the biggest issue was it. I mean, it was pretty clear that a lot of players didn't really, didn't really care. And like the effort level <laughs> or wasn't try. there. Like if you want, you want them to try and like show off their skills. And there's so many things these guys can do that are amazing, but there just wasn't a lot of showcasing that. And so I was kind of a, a disappointment. And um, just, you know, again, I've seen a lot of the same stuff. Uh, from people in the chat, but I actually like the idea of shooting a puck into the dunk tank, and you know I miss the old puck control relay they used to do. But I don't know; it just seemed like it just seemed like it, they were just going through the motions, uh, the players. And I don't know how you change that. And maybe you actually make it a real competition, as that you don't have to be an all star uh, to be in. Yeah, well, put it this way: if every team, when they did their skills competitions, knew that they were going to be sending their fastest skater and sending their hardest shot competitor to compete in the all-star game. And there was like a really significant prize for the winners of both of those events. I think that you would have um, a lot more buy-in from guys that would go in and be able to do that. Like I get it. You're not going to get playoff level competition in a three on three all-star game. Um, but there was a pretty big difference between a couple of the games for the level of, um, intensity shall we say i thought the second game between was it the atlantic and the met was actually really good first game between the central and pacific was nice because uh you know hellebuck got his win that he'd been waiting for and the central uh, did get uh, get the dub but it wasn't quite the um it wasn't that compelling that second game was really fun um and the final was a little bit of a dud as the uh, the atlantic sort of ran away with it uh, a, a little bit but overall i mean if there's just a way you could get these guys to care and try a little bit more, I don't know what that answer is. I think the product would be a hell of a lot better for everybody involved. I will say the biggest problem with the all-star game wasn't that, um, well, there wasn't that, I mean, the effort level, you know, that's where you get that in all-star game. It's kind of what you expect in terms of, in terms of that. But the biggest problem was the jerseys. I couldn't tell. Which team was which? I was looking for Josh Morrissey on the ice. I didn't know if he was going to be in the white jersey or the dark jersey. Um, both. So the white jersey was white with teal, and the black jersey was black with white. Like, they both had white on it. One was the front, one was the back. Like, did they not test out what these would look like on the ice together? They had the same pants, 
Same helmets, same socks. Socks. And then the white jersey had these teal numbers, so you couldn't even, like these light teal numbers, you couldn't even read them. So I think we talked with Dennis about, you know, uh, the worst, like, jersey to call a game. Like, they don't test these jerseys for broadcast or for TV. And I thought the All-Star jerseys were awesome. They looked cool. I love the look. Mm -hmm. But they were the same color, and you couldn't tell. So, again, I'm looking for which one. Morrissey is, and I did. I didn't know what team he was on. So usually, yes, they have four jerseys, one for each division. I don't know if Adidas. It's the last year their deal with NHL. They're cheaping out, not designing four jerseys. <laughs> um, but it was kind of disappointing that they didn't have, or that you just couldn't tell. Like, why couldn't? Why did they both have to have white? Make one black and pink. Is it because they didn't want to put pink in Hus? I think that's maybe what it was. They didn't want to make one of the jerseys. Well, I was Ivan Provorov on the uh, committee or something like I that. Think, I mean, yeah, they <laughs> they didn't want to. I like was teal and I mean that's what it was in '97 with their mo- jerseys they modeled after and they kind of just went off of that. They made it uh, it was white and teal and purple and black. They couldn't do a hot pink and black jersey. So, like you're watching even the commentators, like Chris Cuthbert and the guys were talking about how it was a bit of a. They said, "quote bit of a disaster here," and Kirill Kaprizov is passing the puck the opposite team. And they're noting on the broadcast that he was a jersey malfunction there, clearly. So just a, that was a disaster. Here, here's one other thing. And listen, Chris Cuthbert is one of the best that has ever done it. Yeah. He is, I mean, an elite all-time broadcaster for our generation. There's no way Cuthbert should have been the guy doing at least the skills competition. If you want to put them and have your top broadcasters doing the game, okay. But if this is an event that's supposed to connect with the youth and sort of be young and be cool, you you need an entirely different group of people calling that game on Sportsnet on or calling the skills event on on uh, on, on Friday night because it seemed like they were trying so hard to put over what was going on but didn't believe a word that they were saying. <laughs> it became it became very awkward. Like, listen, PK was in a couple of those skits, and I know he was down on the ice. You have a guy like that, maybe a couple other younger people, mix it up a little bit, maybe some new faces. Uh, listen, I know it's a Sportsnet event, but, I mean, you think about some of the bar down guys like Jesse and whatnot, I mean, those that would be great to have in on the broadcast and they just they didn't have a lot of that i know it's a big nhl event and they want to put their best foot forward and have their best commentators or broadcasters on it just really didn't fit and again for an event as i've said this before for an event that is supposed to be all about the kids and connecting you know with the youth uh i don't know about happy gilmore references or miami vice stuff because uh I have a feeling that most kids have no idea what any of that stuff is. Yeah, so I I think every I think this is pretty unanimous. Uh, they got to do something to fix. It. I don't know what they're going to do next year. It's in Toronto next year, so I think there's going to be a lot of fanfare. I mean, I, I I will say it was very cool seeing Ovechkin and Crosby that passing play they had together. I mean, that kind of stuff's cool. I'm not crazy about you know we've kind of seen it before. Like bring a kid on the ice and have him do a breakaway. Oh, like, I'm so out on like, that. N- like, no offense to Sergei Ovechkin, but, like, like they did that last year with Jack Hughes. Like, you see that. Oh, let's put a kid on the ice, and it'll be so cute when he goes and shoots a puck. Like, you know, I like kids a bit more because, you know, I have one now, so I can comment on this, Hus. But, like, You're I'm, an here expert. To see, I'm here to see 
I'm here to see the all-star skill. But uh, again, it was cool seeing Crosby and Ovechkin um, like together doing stuff. Because again, these guys have been in the league 18, year, 18 seasons, two Hall of Famers, like best, best of the era or of all time even. So that's cool, but I didn't need to see Ovi Jr., yeah, the uh, the the you know, and PK getting the autograph from Sid and Ovi, and then wait, we need an autograph from the four-year-old kid too. I mean, a little <laughs> bit much, but again, maybe I'm just being curmudgeonly because uh, I don't hate kids, far from it. Um, just don't necessarily need to see that the way that it is. And I guess it is cool that they're kicking around, getting a chance to skate. I mean, they want to make it great for the players and their families. I totally get that, um, but. Maybe a little bit better of a separation from uh, from that would have been cool. Bottom line is, I think, as we'll talk with Sean Shapiro a little bit later on, from a television event, it's got a long, long ways to go. Uh, but I do think the event was a pretty big hit down in South Florida, and that's a big, big part of it, um, you know, with where they're bringing it. Although, interestingly enough, Reem, one of the things that we did learn on the weekend is that next year's All-Star festivities are going to be north of the border coming back to Toronto. Yeah, I'm just reading a comment in chat from Red Flame. He says, NHL desperate for money. They're putting the game in Toronto. It's a red flag. No, so what happened here, uh, that's, I saw a report by some of the insiders. They didn't have uh, one scheduled for next year because it was supposed to be a World Cup year, but because they're not doing a World Cup, they, oh, had, to, they had to scramble and um, put this All-Star game together. You know what they should just do? Do like a three-on-three tournament for like countries or something. Maybe people would care, would care then, but... Um, you know, we're going to try to make it down and, uh, I think it'll be, you know, you have a lot of fans in Toronto I'm sure they'll bring out some stars. I wonder how it's going to, people are going to try to get out of it though. If it's not in like Florida or Vegas or somewhere warm, like how is that going to attract players? I love kitchen chat. Luongo didn't even try against Ovi jr. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. He didn't really. And I guess I can handle that. What is unfortunate, though, is the complete lack of trying. Um, listen, I know there was a lot made of Sarah Nurse, uh, her uh, her move. And and listen, Sarah Nurse is absolutely amazing. And I love the fact that some of the top female players are getting a chance to highlight what they can do. But I almost find it insulting to players that if you go, I mean, these are the best at what they do in the women's game. And then you know, have the goalies that they're playing against essentially not try to stop the puck. I mean, it did diminish it a little bit to me. Uh, but anyways, there's a, a long list of grievances, I think, amongst many people about this event. That being said, I think there is potential and would hopefully for next year we might see some significant changes to make it as good as it possibly can be given the uh, restrictions that they do have with maybe going out and getting a great, fun, competitive game the way we remember when we were growing up. Talk more about this a little bit later on. Uh, but Remo, busy weekend for Kyle Walters. Let's get to it. First, Alden Darby re-ups with the Bombers, and then the news that I think many of us were hoping to hear, myself included, but were a little nervous about where Nick Dembski was going to end up this year. Not only is he back with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but he's back with a three-year contract here with the Blue and Gold. Yeah, I saw the Alden Darby news, and I was definitely excited to see that. Huss. He, I remember last year when he signed with Hamilton and they had to trade for him uh, you know, through the season, brought him back, and the quote for him on the Bombers' website, Huss, is, uh, this is my home. So you know, he feels a, a fit here uh, with the Blue Bombers, so I was pumped for that. But then... 
Yeah, I was driving around. I uh, looked at my phone and I saw the tweet that Nick Dembski was back. And I was like, whoa, like that was, I mean, that's a big signing. Um, we know what he does with the offense, but just, I had Jeff on last week when you weren't here and Jeff was kind of on the train. Like, I don't know if Nick Dembski is going to be back. He might be looking to test the free agent waters and he does so many things. I mean, he can go, he can go deep. You can throw to him short and he can, you know, use his legs or you can do these gadget handoff plays with him. I mean, he does so much. Uh, to make the offense go huge part of the you know huge part of uh, of the team, and that's just a big sign. Also, yeah, home hometown guy too, Hus. Like you wouldn't want to see. It. I mean, I know you were really choked up when he got drafted by the Riders. Like you you didn't get that's over that until he signed. That's one here. of the more famous. That's one of the more famous clips in the history of the twelve ninety. <laughs> Calling the shot. Watch this. The Bombers are going to pass on Nick Dembski, and he's going to get picked by the Riders. And we know what happened. And sure enough. He got picked up by the Riders. His first touchdown was against the Bombers in the Labor Day Classic on a punt return, if I recall correctly. Uh, but things, it took a little while, but things worked out. And Dembski did come back to the Bombers and uh, now is there for another three years. And, you know, most of the heavy lifting and the most important players for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to return pretty much are back Although I have seen quite a bit of conversation about a guy we love on this show, Reem, in Rashid Bailey. Bailey right now with no contract, and you just wonder now that this commitment has been made to Nick Dembski, um, what this means for Sheed going forward. I'm afraid it might mean uh, wearing a different colored jersey next season. Oh man, Rashid's been doing some good work on Instagram. I know he was he's big Eagles. Um, he's the best so he, speaker. He was at the game too. He yeah. was uh, there in a suite with a whole bunch of dudes. Chris so, Long, I know, was there with him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, we figured it would be a challenge fitting all these guys. And I saw some stuff on Twitter with Michael Couture as well. I know Jeff will probably have more info than I do, but the CFL like free agent tampering period is open now. So you know, we're getting some getting some news and. Again, it was great seeing uh, the Dembski signing, and we'll wait to see how this team uh, looks like. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, you know, obviously Ellingson is another guy that uh, I think there's a big question mark. He was injured so much last year. I think that if he did come back, you're probably talking about a much lesser number. Um, but these are all things that we'll kind of see how play out over the course of the next well, really two weeks, uh, or actually week until uh, free agency gets going in earnest uh, mid-next week. Uh, but the good news is that Nick Dembski's not going to market. He's going to join us in just a couple minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, hey, before we do that, let me give a big shout-out to Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. Got a, a bunch of texts and a couple tweets or DMs from folks that have used Donnie and uh, Manitoba Battery services over the course of uh, the last couple weeks. Um, obviously it's always a treat every time I go in there to say hi to their staff. Uh, but it's great to hear so many of you are getting great deals and great service on batteries from Manitoba battery, a little bit warmer for the next few days, which is great news. Uh, but you know, we're going to get cold again at some point. So make sure your car is ready for it. Come down for a free test at 1026 Logan Avenue. Or if you know, you need a new battery, save time and money by uh, giving them a call or ordering online by 3 p.m. each day, and they'll deliver it to you citywide that very same day. 
Pretty simple, folks. When you're talking batteries, save time, save money, shop local with our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Um, consolidated Supply getting ready for 2023. We've got a bit of a warm-up right now. When the big warm-up comes, you, I'm sure, will be looking at new projects for the upcoming summer involving your property. It, listen, if it involves irrigation, artificial turf, anything to do with that landscaping when it comes to great turf, Use the guys that the experts in the golf industry do, and that, of course, is consolidated supply. Uh, but thinking a bit bigger about that backyard, how about a hot tub or spa? What about an outdoor kitchen? Manitoba Battery has, or, sorry, consolidated supply has some amazing options for that. Pop down and see Joe, Spicy, and the gang. They're open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East, or check out everything they've got going on including their massive selection of engine parts online at cte.ca. Uh, we're into February right now, folks, and uh, the Unsung Hero program with Josh Morrissey and Wallace and Wallace continues. We'll announce our January winner in the next couple of days. But in the meantime, get those nominations in for this month's Unsung Hero. What we're looking for is someone in your life and your community that's selflessly donating time, hours, and their efforts to help others, whether it be through charity work, whether it be through endless volunteering hours in the minor sports uh, community, um, whether it's in the school system, or whether it's just being that person on the block that everybody leans on in a time of need. Send us your nominations. Tell us about that person, Unsung Hero, at winnipegsportstalk.com. Our winner for the month of the Unsung Hero Award is going to get an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey and Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 to the, um, uh, to the Dream Factory in the, uh, in the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk listener's name and we'll also have uh, that amount matched by Jets All-Star Josh Morrissey. Again, it's Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com and we'll let you know the uh, we'll let you know the winner of the January one coming up in a few minutes. And uh, just before we get to Nick Dembski on WST, give a shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural, organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores have you covered. Or shop online at myvita.ca. Gang, February is Heart Month. It's crucial to support this vital organ with omega-3 fatty acids. We can't always get enough in our diets, so supplement with RX Omega-3 fish oil by Natural Factors. It helps support cardiovascular health, cognitive function, that's your brain, guys, uh, eye health, and helps with joint plane and flexibility. It's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, well, we were just talking about the big news in Bomberland this weekend, a three-year extension for hometown hero Nick Dembski. And uh, Nick joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Nick, what's up, man? How are you? And congratulations on the new deal. Appreciate it, man. No, I'm doing good. I'm doing uh, I'm doing a lot better now than, than I was the past couple of days. <laughs> uh, I, I hear you. Listen, I want to talk about the offseason, look ahead to next, maybe hit a few other topics, but um, fill us in on uh, the last few weeks. Um, how did it all come together, and were there some nervous moments that this might not get done? 
Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, in this business, you know, you just never know kind of what, what's, what's going to happen. So, yeah, there were a couple, uh, you know, nervous moments. But at the end of the day, you know, I kind of always always knew deep down that, you know, th this would get done and, and, and this is where I need to be. So um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, momentum that 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 uh, was raising these last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of hope and, and a lot of optimism uh, towards it. And, you know, I'm just happy it got done. Hey, um. How does the whole negotiation work? Do you have an agent? Is it someone that they basically do all that and just kind of keep you abreast of what's happening or how involved were you in it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, we have a, we are, sorry, I have an agent. So, I mean, he did, uh, he did the, the most of the work for me. He just would kind of report back to me and kind of be a middleman if, if you will. So, um, yeah, no, he, he did a great job. And, uh, you know, again, I'm just happy that both sides of the party uh, could come to agreement and, and uh, you know, lock me in for the next three years. Uh, the three-year uh, term was huge. I mean, I was, uh, first of all, I think like most Bomber fans, just, you know, kind of breathed easy. Great to see the release that Nick's back and then saw that it was three years. I'm sure you're <laughs> happy you don't have to go through this again for the next couple seasons. Um, How important was it to get that level of term with the Winnipeg Football Club when you signed this contract? Yeah, it, it was important to me. I mean, that was that was probably one of the main things that, that I wanted to go after was just, you know, a, a lengthy deal, um, you know, and and, and again, I'm, I'm happy it worked out. I mean, I, I know that they wanted me here and, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to be here. You know, I wish that, you know, negotiations was, was that easy, but uh, it's not. So that's what took it so long. And uh but at the end of the day, you know, it got done. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm just happy to be part of it. Well, that is good news. What, um, like, was it basically done yesterday? I mean, how long does it t how long does it go from you saying, okay, we got a deal, signing whatever's done, to the team saying, rest easy, Bomber fans, Dembski's <laughs> back for three? Yeah, it was, it was actually done Saturday night. Um, so that was awesome. Um, you know, it was, it was the day before the tampering begun. So, I mean, I don't think they released it till Sunday afternoon. So, um, you know, they, they obviously just uh, trusted me, you know, not to talk to any other teams. And I mean, I, I didn't want to talk to any other teams. This is where I wanted to be. So, you know, I uh, basically turned my phone on airplane mode and, and came down to the stadium and signed the bad boy. And, and uh, yeah, here we are now. So. You know, that tampering period is interesting. I'm not sure if people, you know, fans maybe that don't watch the offseason as much as the, the regular season realize. But in a lot of ways, free agency essentially starts now, um, you know, with the ability to get offers and talk to other teams about it. So in a lot of ways, I'd imagine Saturday night, there was somewhat of a deadline for you, but especially the football club, knowing where your head was at and if you were going to be back with the team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously we had a lot of, a lot of signings this, this past week. And I think uh, when all those signings happen, they unfold, you know, opportunities. And, and, and I think, you know, a couple of them unfolded opportunities for me. So, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like there was some urgency there. But at the same time, you know, again, negotiations don't happen as easy as everybody would like to. And, uh, you know, they definitely take some time. But, you know, good, good, good things always take time. So that, that's the way I look at it. Did you uh, did you get to grind them right at the end for a couple special details, maybe a bigger locker or a better spot in the room or anything like that? Uh, none of that. I mean, I've, I've been in the same locker, so I'm, I'm happy right where I am. But uh, no, may, maybe a couple of, like ice cream sandwiches after practice or something like that. I should have mixed that in there. <laughs> um, Nick Dembski is with us back with the Bombers for a three-year term after signing on the weekend. Um, Nick. 
ever since the season ended, um, you know, as we looked into this off season, it was about, you know, seeing what Kyle Walters could do in keeping this group together. I mean, you guys have had raised the bar here in the city, have had such great success, came so close in last year's Grey Cup from making it a three-peat. Um, how would you describe the uh, will of you and your teammates to be a part of this again next season going forward and really kind of starting a campaign of a uh, little unfinished business considering the way last year ended? Sure. And I think, I mean, I think that's the extra motivation to get, to get everybody, you know, back together. Um, you know, obviously it's a new season when, when, when 2023 hits, but at the end of the day, I mean, this has been a long off season with, with what we could have had. So um, I think that plays a, you know, a little, a little role or a little factor in back everybody's mind. And, you know, everybody's been, been talking. I've been talking with, with, with guys kind of on and off throughout the off season and, and just, you know, just kind of, the extra little motivation, you know, just a little extra message of, 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 you know, why we train and why we work hard. And yeah, you know, I just, I can't wait to get back in the locker room with those boys during training camp and, 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 uh, you know, start preparing for, for a new season. How, um, how long did it take you to get over the loss to Toronto in the gray cup? Have you yet? And have you watched the game? I, I have watched the game. Yeah. Um, took me a while to watch the game, honestly. Uh you know, when I watch football games now, you know, it's not really like a, I don't really watch them like a fan uh, CFL games. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really studying and kind of seeing what, what what's going all on. You know, it's my job. So, um, you know, NFL, it's a little bit different. So playoffs, I can, you know, NFL playoff football, I can kind of enjoy and relax. But uh, yeah, our, our football game, I don't think I watched till, till after Christmas probably. So, um, you know, I took it in, I took a pretty deep dive into it and uh, you know, I, that probably helped me get over it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a type of guy that kind of just likes to, you know, put, push stuff away like that. But, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely needed to watch it and just kind of go through it and, uh, and just kind of see what was going on. And, and honestly, you know, even just watching that just added a little bit of extra motivation. So, um, you know, as I said, I just can't wait to get back in back to work and, and uh, get back to it with the boys. I mean, listen, I mean, the margin of, margin between winning and losing i mean with two great teams in a championship game is is so razor thin we've seen it happen for the benefit of the bombers and one of those great cups and then obviously on the other side um but you mentioned about that you know that motivation for everyone around this already was a team that had a championship pedigree and i don't think anybody ever questioned um the commitment level of everyone that plays for mike o'shea um but i would imagine that you know, what you guys have accomplished so far and how close you were to the three-peat, but knowing that that can be a blip if you're able to come back and win again is a huge part of not just your decision to stay here, but Kyle Walters, Wade Miller, everyone trying to keep this group together that has, you know, basically created um, a culture of winning unlike anything we've seen here in a long, long time. Sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's the goal of this game is, is to win. And I mean, when you have a good locker room and good group of guys doing it and a good organization, good front office that, that wants to keep everything, you know, a low at a low turnover rate. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a, a formula for success. So, you know, there's a lot of leaders in this locker room. There's a lot of leaders, you know, you know, coaching us as well. So, I mean, not just Osh, you know, Osh is a great leader, of course, but, you know, we got Buck and, and Richie and, and, and the list goes on of, of all the coaches that, that are, uh, know filling in those spots so you know again i'm just happy to be a part of it you know I, this is definitely somewhere i want to play and, and where i want to be and and 
somewhere where I'd love to finish my career out. So, you know, to sign three years, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good start to that. And, you know, I just have a lot to prove and, and, you know, just make sure that, you know, this position stays mine. What, uh, I've got to ask you, what it, was it like over the course of the last month, say, um, while you were working towards a deal? And I'm not sure how much back and forth there was, how often that happened. But at the same time, you're seeing the likes of Willie and Jackson Jeffcoat and uh, all the guys sign and come back one by one. Um, and knowing that you were still out there and needed to get a deal done yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but, you know, all, all those pieces are, are very critical pieces. So, I mean, you know, it'd be tough to come back to 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 a team that doesn't have, you know, the Willies exactly. and the Jacksons and, and everything. So, you know, it just makes it a little bit more, you know, obviously you get a little bit more anxious to get it done. But at the same time, you know, you can't really compare, you know, my position to somebody else's position or, or you know, where I lie on the free agent, you know, compared to where they lie on, on the free agent poll. So, um at the end of the day, you know, I guess you get mixed emotions from it, you know, get happy because, you know, you're close to these guys, excuse me, and build relationships with these guys. But at the same time, you know, you get a little bit anxious about your own situation, but, you know, you just got to re- remember it's business and, and that's how it goes. And, and you know, just be patient and wait your turn and, and things will work out. And, you know, that's what happened here. So well, again, at the I'm same time, at the same time, I imagine it, you know, makes you want to get something done with this team even more knowing that, your boys are all back, and um, sure. the job is going to be come back and uh, and do it all over again. Nick Dembski of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is with us. So outside of uh, sweating out and getting a new contract done for three years with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, what have you been up to the last couple months? How's the offseason been? Offseason's been good, man. I mean, uh, you know, I, I used to do a little bit of work uh, with Canada Life Financial Advising. I took a step away or a step back away from that. And now I uh, I coach a lot. So I, I coach mornings, recruit ready, uh, do a lot of coaching there. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of hockey, uh, you know, just staying in shape that way. But then I've also been taking care of my body as well, um, you know, just stretching a little bit more. You know, I'm putting a big, big uh, emphasis on stretching this year, you know, everything in, in my power I want to do uh, to stay on the field this year. So, you know, it just just doing the little things off the field to t- make sure I stay on the field. It's funny you said, you mentioned that because we were talking with Jackson Jeffcoat last weekend and he talked about how when he was younger, you know, he was just trying to put on weight. He was basically spending 90% of his time pushing plates and whatnot. He says now, even with the position that he plays, it's way more about flexibility, keeping your body healthy. I mean, the focus focus is different now at this point in his career than it was earlier on. Um, how, how has your training changed over the years? And, and is it significantly different today, knowing what you know now and having been through the grind of a number of professional seasons? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, I mean, I think everybody, you know, back back when you're a little bit younger, you're always trying to, you know, push for the for the big numbers and and push for the big weights, and you know that way you can send it off to to universities and colleges and stuff like that. But you know, ever since I've been a pro, you know, it's it's more, uh, you know, just about the reps and the movements and and the flexibility and making sure I get the full range of motion. You know, so uh, I try to obviously still stay uh, elusive out there and and uh, explosive, but. At the end of the day, I mean, it, it's a lot more kind of looking after your body and, and uh, you know, making your joints feel a little bit better rather than, you know, just trying to lift the whole stadium, right? How much uh, how much puck you've been playing? I mean, you were a hell of a player. I mean, growing up and playing <laughs> a lot of Hawks, I mean, you really are a pretty well-rounded athlete that was impactful in a number of different sports. Um, you know, now that football is your focus, but you're out. I mean, are you on a team? You get out there regularly or are you more in uh, – uh, a guy that just dominates the ODR with the fellas. 
<laughs> you know what? Uh, I haven't played. I mean, I, I did ODR. Uh, when was it? Boxing Day. That's probably the last time I was on at the ODR. Other than that, I mean, I play. Uh, I play every Wednesday and Friday with just a good group of guys, and and really, it's no refs. We just rent the rent the ice and drop the puck and and just kind of divide ourselves in the team and just play. So, I mean, that's kind of more my speed right now. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make it to the show or anything anymore. You know, those days are over. So uh beer league you know there's still some of those guys out there that you know try to try to prove you wrong and (laughs) still get their last chance so you know i try to stay away from that a little bit um but you know i i'll I'll get you know sometimes my my boys will call me up for a game so i mean it's always nice to kind of get that competitive in there but then all of a sudden you know you get hacked in the back of the leg and you're like okay yeah this is this is why i don't play hockey competitively anymore so Anyways, it's all in good fun, though. Yeah, heads up to the beer leaguers. There's no scouts at your game, guys. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't, uh, don't worry about it. Did you get out of Winnipeg at all? You getting anywhere warm, or uh, just been grinding it here on a day to day basis like the rest of us? Yeah, definitely been grinding. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be a Winnipeg winter without the grind. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, I've been to Moose Jaw, did a football tournament out there. So I mean, if that's getting away, then then I've done that. But uh, I'm going to with. Uh, my fiance, actually, I'm going to uh, uh, Phoenix in f- February 23rd. So that'll be at the end of the month. And then uh, I'm going to Chicago for another football tournament in the middle of this month and going to Minneapolis next month and then going to Vegas the month after that for, for another football tournament. So I'm on the road quite a bit, but it's more, you know, coaching. So business trips. Well, that you know, that's interesting. Tell us a little bit more about this. I mean, I'm familiar with the Root Recruit Ready program. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, young Winnipeg players that have gone through that and helped them maybe get to um, you know that next level with the post-secondary scholarship and there's been a lot of bombers that have been involved in that before but um, tell us like how involved are you in it and um, how much you're enjoying working with uh, young guys that basically were you a decade ago Uh, well that's 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 the reason why I do it man Uh, I mean you know football football in Canada I mean it's definitely growing and it's definitely getting a lot more eyes on it but I just feel like you know we can still develop these kids you know more and more each each year and uh you know I've you know I know I play football at a high level and and I love giving back I mean you know if I can give back as much as I can then you know that's what I'm going to do so you know I go out there I coach three to four times a week uh you know I coach all the way from, you know, there's a couple of grade sevens on my team. There's some grade eights, grade nines, and then, and then, uh, or majority grade nines and grade tens. And, uh, yeah, so we, we do seven on seven. So we do a lot of development football, but we also do a seven on seven, which is just passing basically like pass Skelly for, for all you football guys out there and, uh, and woman, but, uh, basically just seven on seven pass Skelly and you go down, you play against other teams in the States, um, you know, pylon, runs a lot of these tournaments. Um, so yeah, we go down there and compete and uh, yeah, it's awesome. You know, I love doing it. I love the competition part. I love how it, you know, keeps my mind into football, but at the same time, it's just a way of giving back uh, to the kids to, you know, getting that chance. And, you know, one thing that I like to tell my kids is like, you know, they're, they're, you know, when we go down there, there might be faster, there might be bigger players than you, but I'm going to make you into the smartest football that you can possibly football player that you could possibly be. So that's kind of our, our uh, formula, I guess you can say, is is making smarter football players that that you know are going to understand the game and, and understand the why. It's not just a not just a you know just to do. So you've been an athlete your whole life and been involved in a bunch of sports, but obviously football has become 
your occupation. Now you're coaching as well. I mean, the good thing is we don't really have to worry about this for a while because you got a new three-year deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and uh, certainly a lot of tread left on the tires. But is coaching something that you think you might do seriously once you finish playing? And has this experience with Recruit Ready maybe changed the way you think about that as a possibility for post-playing career? Yeah, I've been I've been doing it ever since uh, since I guess it would have been after the 2019 season was kind of my first year of, of kind of running an offense on a team and then slowly been a head coach, I guess, on this whole other team. We used to have one team. Now we have two teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. I love I love coaching. I love interacting with the kids. I love being around football and and I love just kind of being a role model and just and just, you know, going in there each day and and, you know, trying to prove to these guys, you know, how much better they can be. You know, I love motivating kids and kind of getting the full potential out of them. So, I mean, you know, that's the reason I coach. And I feel like, you know, that's the reason why anybody should coach. So, I mean, if it's in the future plans, who knows, it, it'd probably be, have to be the right opportunity and the right fit. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do hope I play football for, for uh, you know, hopefully for the rest of this contract and maybe even another contract after that. So, um you know, it just matters matters where the cards fall when when the time's right. Have you uh, have you dropped any good O'Shea isms on uh, on your young football players on your squad? Is uh does any Osh come out of Nick Dembski when he's in a coaching role? <laughs> Probably a little bit, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know half the time when I'm talking to these kids, I kind of just black out and just say what say what I know. So I've learned a lot from from Osh, and he's taught me a, a great deal of you know kind of just the IQ of the game, you know, and and that's you know the philosophy that I've been trying to you know. Get get, all, get these kids on. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure a little bit of OSHA has bleeded down uh, onto me for sure. Hey, before we go, uh, you mentioned NFL playoffs. I've got to ask you what you've thought about the play. Do you have a team, by the way? Is there one team that you uh, are a fan of? I do. So I'm I'm a big fan of Marshall. Or was I'm sorry, a big fan of Marshall Falk. So uh, L.A. Rams. They were the St. Louis Rams back then, obviously. But L.A. Rams are my favorite team. The greatest show on turf. Well, you had your year last turf. year. They're not here anymore, and we got the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, what have you thought about both of those teams that they've gotten to the big game? The, I, I love an underdog story, so I was really rooting for San Fran. Um, obviously, with their injury problems and what happened that, huh. that last game, um, Philly Philly did, did their thing, so I'm going to have to go with Philly, you know. Now, um, what have you thought about the Chiefs? I mean, that AFC Championship game was, uh, I was joking, I was at it. It took me about two or three days to warm up from it. Oh, no way. And and to be honest, I was prepared for that game from your game against the Riders in the West (laughs) Final two years ago. And it seriously was that cold, Nick. But, um, man, Mahomes on one leg, down three receivers in the second half. I know the refs got a lot of the oxygen on it, but... um, Pretty special player and a wild, wild way to finally get over the hump of the one team that had really haunted Kansas City the last two seasons. Oh yeah, no, I I I love watching the Chiefs offense. I mean, they're they're just explosive. They're really good at finding holes and finding the zones. They're creative and and I mean Patrick Mahomes, he's a baller. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I just gotta give it up for the Eagles, man. They've been they've just been dominating all year. I love watching their defense play and and also love their offense too. Their offense is is super creative as well. Um, you know, I, as you can probably see that theme, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more into the creative side of, of stuff. So um, I just feel like the Eagles, you know, they, they just use 
every player on their field. And and I feel like, you know, I just, I just really enjoy watching them play and I'd love to see Jalen Hurts uh, get his first Super Bowl. Yeah, well, it's going to be a hell of a game. I will not ride with you on your lean or your pick <laughs> for the game on Sunday, but I'll tell you what, I mean, this is, this could end up being, you know, certainly, I mean, right now it's a one point spread. I mean, we're basically talking about one of the most even matchups, at least on paper. And I think a lot of that goes to, giving Mahomes so much credit for how brilliant he is. But if you really break down the 53 on both sides, the Eagles at some very important positional areas have, um, have an advantage and it should be, uh, should be awesome. Listen, Nick, thanks so much for the time. I know everyone was fired up to hear the news on the weekend that you're back for three more seasons in blue and gold. Best of luck with the kids coaching and your trips over the next little bit. And uh, can't wait to see you back at IG field with the fellas looking to uh, take care of some unfinished business when we get going with this season. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Right on. There's Nick Dembski of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll talk more about this with Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a couple of minutes. But, hey, if you were uh, if you were maybe waiting on that Nick Dembski jersey to, for him to get a deal done, well, guess what? You can uh, You can go now down to Royal Sports, get your bomber gear, start getting ready for the next season and get that number 10 done up because the kid is back for another three seasons. Of course, if you're thinking about any jersey where it's bombers, Winnipeg Jets, your favorite National Football League team, NHL team outside of the home squad, Royal Sports has you covered with the biggest and best selection of licensed merchandise pretty much anywhere. While you're there, of course, you know that They are the hockey superstore in town, family-owned for 40 years with the experts to get you the right equipment for whatever level of player you need. It's all there at Royal Sports and uh, great skate selection as well, including some affordable ones if you're looking to uh, maybe take a dip into river skating or getting onto the ODR. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Guys, looking ahead to the uh, summer, you got weddings, big events. Is your wardrobe ready for it? Well, if it's not, one place to go get the best deals on custom suits that will fit and look great is Andrew and the guys down at F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. They're the leaders in custom suits for men, beginning at just $400. They've also got... Custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, uh, dress pants, golf pants, chinos, and more, and a huge selection of men's accessories. And if you're involved in a wedding party, talk to them about a great deal for a discount on the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. And folks, if you've got a 2023 grad in the family, pop on down to F. You get a custom suit for his graduation from F Apparel that he can use years into the future. You'll also get a free custom shirt and tie valued at a 150 bucks. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Check them out or make an appointment online at fephapparel.com. And hey, good news, gang. We got hockey back tonight. Five games on the slate. And if you're looking to get together with your gang, no better place to do that than your local Boston pizza. Happy hour specials from 3 to 6 and 9 to 12. Ice-cold schooners, delicious pizzas, and for my money, the best wings around at your local Boston Pizza. And if you're staying home, you can always order online 
at bostonpizza.com. All right, I missed the hammer last week when I was coming back from KC, but he is back on the program, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. What's going on? How was your weekend? Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, good weekend overall. I realize I haven't put my headphones in, but I'll do that sooner than later. Um, quietly celebrated my 37th birthday. I uh, How quiet? Really quiet. A uh, few family things, nothing crazy. Uh, you know, just, just an easy weekend as I, as I like them. But uh, I got a chance to take in, the, well, on my couch, of course, uh, the the uh, the All Star festivities. What a boring event that is! Holy smokes! Um, but outside of that, you know, overall, just a good weekend, man. How about you? I missed you last week, but you were freezing your can off down there. Yeah, well, I was. Uh, listen, I was in great spirits. I said to to Reem, you know, I knew in the fourth quarter when things were getting so tight, and frankly, the Bengals had a lot of momentum. The next day was going to be either one of the most miserable days of my life doing a 12 hour drive, knowing that the team had lost or I'd have a bleep eating grin on my face and it could have been a 24 hour drive and I wouldn't care because the game went the right way. And that was the case. No, it really was fun. It was a game I'll never forget and uh, atmosphere incredible. And it sets up uh, a great matchup in the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll get to that in a few minutes. We just had Nick Dembski on. I wanted to talk some hockey with you and Jets, but we may as well start there. I know, um, you know, you had thought that, you know, this might not get done. Uh, what did you make first about the Bombers being able to get Dembski to sign not just a contract, but a three-year deal? And uh, from what you're hearing, how uh, how close was this to uh, maybe getting into the tampering period? Nick said it got kind of, well, Saturday night it got done, basically right at that pseudo deadline. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I mean, to address some of those things, I mean, my, my earlier thoughts with Nick in general was not so much that I didn't think he was going to re-sign with the Bombers. In fact, I would argue that Winnipeg, for even, you know, less money than, than some other destinations across the league, um, was be- is beneficial to Nick Dembski. Just, you know, obviously being a Winnipeg native, um, just having a little, you know, more of a legacy here working within the offense, Buck Pierce's offense, of course, being thrown to by Zach Kolaris. There were so many different reasons that you could list why it would be a benefit for Nick Dembski to stay in Winnipeg. But I just always thought he was one of those guys that, you know, would would, would have his interest peaked from seeing what his value would be, you know, like just to see what other teams, you know, wanted, you know, or thought of him, right? Or just kind of go through that process. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to paint him as an egotistical guy or anything like that, just at a guy with, you know, at a pretty important stage of his life with, you know, one more contract at this three years, obviously. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens after that, but it's a pretty critical time of his life and his age. And uh, you know, whether that's starting a family and he touched on those things as well and, you know, getting married and stuff like that, you know, with the, you know, I think, I don't think he's married, but I think he's got, you know, certainly has a long-term girlfriend and whatnot. Yeah, fiance, so, fiance, yeah, so fiance, he just dropped on the program. Perfect. I didn't get so, into when that, uh, that yeah, was. So, uh, I mean, those are big signed. decisions, right? So, I mean, but I also, but again, like I just felt like there was potential even just to look at, at the, at the mirror or sorry, look, look kind of behind the curtain and see what the options were and see what his value was. But I also always said this, I could see him being the guy that would go right down to the final day. We saw that, I think, in his last contract. It was two days before free agency. This time, obviously, hours before the window opened up, you know, the tamp- the legal tampering window. So, you know, all in all, I think it works for both sides. As I, as I tweeted out this morning, from what I understand, it averages around the $190,000 mark. 
um, which I think to some is a, you know, a deal that you got a you know, an elite Canadian receiver in this league for under 200. Other people will look at his, you know, will look at his health status and his, you know, maybe a, a few injuries over the last few years. Um, but all in all, I think it's a great place for, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and for Nick Dembski and, you know, a big piece of certainly this season as they look to, uh, you know, get back to the great cup and avenge a, a loss to the Argos last season. Yeah, I mean, listen, averaging out to 190, I mean, I think that is a pretty great deal. He's got the security knowing that it's a three-year contract here in Winnipeg in a place that I think off the field, he can certainly supplement that income both through sponsorships, promotions, as well as what he's doing. He just kind of laid out how active he is in coaching youth football with the Recruit Ready program. So, um, listen, it was big, big news. Alden Darby also signed on the weekend. So who's left, Jeff? I mean, now that we're getting into this period, I mean, who are the key guys unsigned from last year's Bomber team that you're paying close attention to as we get closer to official free agency? Well, I'll say this. like, I'm thankful that the Bombers waited until Sunday for my Friday online Saturday piece to drop about five players that they should, you know, look into for the, during the legal tampering period because before they signed Nick Dembski and Alden Darby, those were the two holes, right? I mean, you, you know, heading into... Uh, it looks like looks like Dalton Schoen's going to be back. Uh, you know, at this point in time, history would suggest that he's not going to get an NFL deal before February 14th. So, you know, he comes back. But for a while there, with Nick Nick not signed, you really only had you know Drew Wolitarski and and Brendan O'Leary Orange that were that were under that were officially under contract with no you know no real concern they were going anywhere. Um, but then you know Nick obviously signs and. Uh, that kind of helps, obviously, the receiver situation and, and Dalton Schoen being back. And then I thought the strong side linebacker was a was an important position for, you know, and one in which the Bombers could fill through free agency. You know, I mentioned a couple guys, uh, you know, in that list, guys that probably weren't going to come here for, for you know, a, a discount by any stretch, but a, but a position nonetheless. So now that Alden Darby and Nick Dembski are, are, uh, are, are there, I'm still, I'm still looking at two different positions. Um, well, one really, and that's that's receiver still. Like I think the the Bombers are pretty set up and down the roster. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans out there that are going, "What about the kicker? What about the kicker?" Right? And I, <laughs> I think that's a, you know an important one. But I you know with just some of the the names that are already under contract, it's not one of those I think you're going to go through uh, free agency for. I think it's someone you're going to have to just get your scouts to really look at over this this off season and bring in some good competition. And I can say that I, I'm definitely expecting some competition in the kicking side. Um, but I go back to receiver again, you know, I think there's, you know, I mean, Rashid Bailey still not, still not signed. Uh, Greg Ellingson, it seems like they're probably going to move on from him after an injury riddled season. I mean, he was certainly good when, when he was in the lineup. Um, but I just don't know if you can, you know, commit that kind of coin upwards of, I think 180, $185,000 for a guy you're not sure is going to be, you know, playing an 18 game season, obviously plus playoffs. But um, I look at a guy like Kenny Lawler and, and, you know, I think he would have been more realistic. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see what the top end receivers fetch in free agency, whether that be Geno Lewis out of, out of Montreal or, or Kenny Lawler, of course, playing in Edmonton last year, chasing that bag of money for 300 K was the highest paid receiver. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the market's like for receivers. Cause what I'm hearing you know, from opposing GMs across the league, um, just it's, 
becoming a little bit of a of an S show as far as you know use words from Gino Lewis to describe the Montreal Alouettes uh, organization right now um, for how high it's going to cost for some of these guys. So it'll be interesting to see what the options are. I, I bring up Nick Dembski because I think with Nick Dembski signing, that takes the Bombers out of that conversation for Kenny Lawler uh, a lot more so than if if uh, if Nick Dembski tested free agency and ultimately signed elsewhere. I still don't close the complete door on that. It just, you know, if 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 Kenny Lawler is looking for anywhere near $300,000, I just don't think it's going to be something the Bombers are going to be able to afford. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I, I look at, I look at the group. I mean, secondary is obviously a, you know, a, a, an area the Bombers need to at least be, you know, focused on. And I'm sure they are. I mean, Nick Taylor isn't coming back. Mercy Maston, who, who did, hasn't played for the last two years with Achilles injuries. I mean, he, he won't be back, uh, you know, officially again this year. Um, so there is some openings in that group. Um, at least some competition. I don't know if it'll be fulfilled through free agency or not. That's usually an area and an area the Bombers scouting staff's been really good at. Uh, I can say a few other things. I mean, you look at the offensive line, you know, I, I think Michael Couture is probably not going to be coming back to Winnipeg. Um, that's a byproduct of, of having, you know, that much depth on, you know, depth on the offensive line and seeing what Chris Kolonkowski could do uh, last season in, in, you know, in relief of Michael Couture. And then of course, uh, Eli, another guy who, you know, the bombers are familiar with it. They, they've not technically re-signed, but brought back, um, after a year, I believe not playing football. He's also capable of, of playing center as well. But, um, you know, I think if you're a bombers fan, you gotta be pretty happy. I mean, it'd be nice to add a couple more pieces here through free agency. It'd be nice to get it on some of the, of the big names, but Kyle Walters and company have just been, busy over this offseason bringing a lot of those key contributors and talent back to the roster so it might end up being a quiet one you know minus a move or two here and uh you know maybe maybe later in the week of free agency rather than than the day of hey you you just mentioned Tua eli and it was very interesting he signed a multi-year deal i can't remember whether it was two or three years if i'm not mistaken earlier uh, earlier in this offseason and as you mentioned he was a player that we didn't see last year and we hadn't seen up until the Grey Cup the year before, because of course he wasn't vaccinated and you know wasn't able to travel and go on the club. Where has he been? And I, I don't know. This it was just, I found that a little surprising considering the way things ended beforehand. Uh, but they obviously believe that this young man is a guy that you know can definitely contribute going forward. Yeah, I can't tell you a thing um, about what he's been up to or what he's doing or what he looks like. I mean, even the impression I get from the Bombers is they're not 100% sure. So, um, but, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure they've done their due diligence a bit more than that. Um, however, I mean, you're right. I mean, this was a situation over, over vaccines and, you know, I, I don't know the exact, um, you know, religious beliefs that that Tui had or or you know what exactly that came to be or or whatever that's no longer an issue now obviously um and i know they had a lot of respect for him i mean they really really like this guy they've liked him for a while and so maybe this is as much you know assuming of what he was like is what he'll be like maybe even better who knows uh come training camp but that's you know kind of the beauty of being on being on the management side of things in the cfl is that you know you can invite you know, who you want to camp, you don't necessarily have to keep them. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, I think the answers to those questions, Huss, are going to come uh, more likely in May, and I won't be able to give you the good ones, uh, you know, in February. Hey, just before we move on from the CFL, um, give, give us some predictions, thoughts, what you're hearing when it comes to the quarterback 
carousel now that Bo Levi has signed, sealed, and delivered with the Ticats. Yeah, like once that domino fell, I mean, I think it threw things into, you know, it's interesting, right? In the media, we just try to, we kind of put people in certain positions based on availability, based on, you know, skill in the past and, you know, what, what they've done in the league. And I mean, that makes a ton of sense, but to me, it never made any sense for a guy like Dane Evans to go to Saskatchewan. It just, you know, you look at what happened with Cody Fajardo and, you know, how, how I guess the football machine that is Regina um, you know, got to him by the end of the season, right? It seemed to really weigh on him the last couple of years and just what we know about Dane Evans and, you know, and, and to credit to him for coming out and talking about some of the mental health struggles he's been through. I've said that a lot and I have a ton of respect for, for him doing that. I just don't know if, if Ryderville is the perfect place for him to be and what, what will be a pretty important bounce back year for him. Um, once I read that, once I read that Trevor Harris was, was not, you know, was contemplating a return to the Montreal Alouettes. And I just find it to be so funny this league, right? I mean, just how, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell goes from essentially a backup quarterback who's thrown the same amount of touchdowns as interceptions the last two seasons combined um, is all of a sudden a marquee free agent and then signs for the second most money in the league, right? I mean, I, I think a similar thing's happening to Trevor Harris right now where teams are so desperate for for quarterbacks, uh, you know, quality quarterbacks quarterbacks that they they can trust and know you know what they get when you know put them under center and whatnot um trevor harris all of a sudden becomes a massive piece of the puzzle for in my opinion for saskatchewan rough riders team that that desperately needs a quarterback a, a, a staff that desperately needs a guy under center who knows what he's doing that you can build an offense around because let's face it i mean with jeremy o'day craig dickinson and a rookie oc i mean you got about nine games to figure it out this year before, you know, because if they don't come come out hot or out to a strong start and, you know, they're bumbling by midway through the season, I think you got to probably can the whole group. And so that's the pressure that's on them. And I think that's the situation that opens up to a guy like Trevor Harris, who, you know, a year and a half ago was trying to find his team after his stint with Edmonton, right? So um, things seem to have worked out in Montreal, obviously, and they could very well, work out in Saskatchewan. I mean, as Justin Dunk reported earlier today, I think it's just, I've been calling it for weeks, the obvious and smartest choice. Um, they're packaging, you know, putting a package together to get his services this year. Um, you know, upwards of $500,000, what I'm hearing and, um, you know, and, and, and not promises, but talks about how they're, they plan to go deep in this free agency. Um, that's the reality for Saskatchewan right now. I mean, that's not to take away from some of the work they've done. They signed Lanier and Pete Robertson, um, to deal so they strengthen their defensive line overnight um, just like that um, but they've but if you look at Lanier like the guys had to pay they had to they made him the, the highest paid defensive lineman in the league it's almost kind of bonkers they you know they, they're gonna have to overspend uh, to get guys after the season they're in we saw it with Drew Desjardins he's a guy that certainly listened to Saskatchewan and was offered more money in Saskatchewan but but probably won't won't get him or sorry, didn't get him. Um, I think that's going to be a similar situation for Michael Couture if, if they go after him, which I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but anyways, back to the quarterback situation. I just think it's one of those things where they promised Trevor Harris a couple different things. And um, for a guy like if I'm Trevor Harris, I mean, I'm at this point in my career, I mean, you don't really have much more to prove. I mean, you could certainly argue the, the gray cups and whatnot, um, but I'd be signing for the most money as I possibly can. Cause at this point, I mean, he's probably a year to year guy in Saskatchewan would be the ideal spot that would open up a position for Dane Evans to be in Montreal, which I think would be a good position for him. Again, some of the things we'd mentioned, some of the struggles he went through, it would be a lot easier 
to I think start with a team like Montreal than than, than Ryderville. But where's Fajardo um, end up? A great question. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's you know this whole idea. Like, he could very well end up in Saskatchewan. I I, I, I have a hard time thinking that could be a possibility just because. I don't know if you brought in a guy like Trevor Harris. I mean, if you get a guy like Trevor Harris, you're probably not going to be doing this dance where you say this is an open competition in week one because if you're getting Trevor Harris, you're telling him he's the starter from day one. So I don't think that's a situation. I, I think at this point, you know, barring like Montreal going after him and trying to build around him, I don't think that's possible either because Jason Moss is there. And I don't think they have a horrible relationship, but he just got canned. In, in Regina running offense through through Fajardo and so I, I just yeah like I mean I mean if you're asking me where I think he ends up probably as a backup somewhere and even then I just have no idea where that would be what about Winnipeg yeah I just think there's not no like I just I no like I just because I don't think a Winnipeg is gonna sign will have the money to sign um what I think Cody Fajardo thinks he's worth, you know, like it's not one of those $150,000 backup signings. I don't think it might be a little bit more expensive. And I don't know. There's just, I think when you look at what, how Cody Fajardo handled himself throughout last season, it doesn't exactly scream blue bombers football. And, and, you know, the examples I would point to immediately would be, you know, talking about, about going somewhere else when, when your playoff hopes are still on the line and, and your team is still playing, that just doesn't really dive well and i just yeah i just don't think winnipeg would be an ideal fit for cody and, and vice be a heck of a backup but um that being said i think you you do make some salient points although you want to uh you want to get one over on your old club if there's no starting position available anywhere um there's a lot of guys that would love to be in a situation here with winnipeg because they certainly will be the favorites in the west going forward one more thing um what do you think is going to happen with andrew harris is that it it's a great question. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, right off in the sunset. I mean, this is, you know, he he came out and accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He he gave it back three to in the a team row. that said goodbye three in a row. I mean, it would be the perfect ending. Um, but there's a lot of other factors that play into retirement that go beyond, you know, ideal you know leaving like he talked Andrew talked a lot about coaching last you know during the Grey Cup week almost to the point where it seemed like he was providing a sales pitch to you know to the club and to maybe others out there about you know being a player coach who knows um he seems real comfortable in in Toronto um so maybe that's an opportunity I, I got no insider information whatsoever I I, I would put you know, retirement up there as, a, as certainly a, you know, one of the higher options at this point, just given what, you know, he put his body through and had to put his body through to come back. Um, but again, talking about how much he enjoyed that coaching part and helping out other players and all those things, who knows, maybe he has another year in, in Toronto um, to play kind of that player, player, you know, coach role. Um, I will say this, I don't think Winnipeg is an option um, for either side. So if anyone's kind of hoping for a, you know, one more year in Winnipeg after delivering a great cup to the Argos, probably that ship's probably sailed. Um, Hammer, let's hit Jets. Um, off this week, going into that game on Saturday night when they returned to it, 52 games in the books, 30 more to go. They're one point out of first place in the Central Division, although the Dallas Stars do have a game in hand. Uh, I know that it looked pretty ugly in that final week heading into the break. Josh Morrissey, um, with his performance a week ago today, with that incredible third period, I think really changed, I think, the feeling around the fan base and 
I would imagine the team as well going in. Um, sprint to the finish here with three more 10-game segments. Uh, they put themselves in a very enviable position right now, and uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on what um, what is in front of the Winnipeg Jets over the next 30 games, uh, and then obviously a playoff run that uh, they're highly probable to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, you. I think for them, I mean, their expectation is to continue to be in that fight for not the wild card spot, for top of the Central First. and arguably top of the West. And so to find yourself in a position to be within striking distance with 30 games, that's not exactly, you know, a regular occurrence for Winnipeg per se. I know they've had some good years in the past. Um, this one seems to be, a, you know, obviously under Rick Bonus and, and certainly under the performances of a number of guys who have stepped their game up and, and really – you know, really helped push the, the Jets to where they are, um, the expectation would probably be much of the same. I mean, they weren't happy with their their entire, I'd argue, their entire month of, of January. They certainly had set a goal, um, you know, to be in a better position than they are right now. Uh, I don't want to get too hyperbolic about the St. Louis game, but that was a, you know, that was a big victory. If only for the fact that, you know, it didn't, it changed the narrative to the fact that we're talking about, you know, something other than another loss heading into the break and then coming back and rebounding. I mean, that was, you know, let's remember here, it was two nothing for the blues in the third period before the lights kind of came on for the Winnipeg jets. So it wasn't exactly the cleanest game. I mean, I would argue they were the better team through 60 minutes, but um, it is what it is. Anyways, I, you know, again, I just think it's one of those things where uh, there's obviously high expectations. There's a lot of belief in that locker room, a lot of confidence, um, and maybe a bit of a wake-up call in January. I mean, you know, I mean, it's one of those, you know, they could have, you know, obviously you want to collect more wins, you want to do better, but, um, you know, I'd go as far as to suggest that it's better to go through some of those reality checks, if you will, wake-up calls, if you will, you know, in January than in March as you as you get closer to the playoffs. You definitely don't want to be backing in, but that, that being said, I mean, um, the Jets certainly wish they were in a better position and will, and should be fighting, of course, f- to be in a better position, to, to play against. I mean, this is the year where the West feels wide open. It doesn't feel like there's a ton of, you know, juggernauts that are in their way, and they're certainly one of the teams that are being talked to, you know, as a contender. So, uh, you know, I don't want to say status quo because there's certainly some things that, that need to improve and, and, and consistency is at the top of that list. Um, but when you look at the position they're in, the players they have, the health that they have, you know, the key players in key positions, there's no reason why the Jets shouldn't be pushing all in down the stretch here and will be an interesting trade deadline in a month or time. So, Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of pushing all in, I mean, the guy that could push all in is the general manager, Kevin Sheveldayoff. And, you know, in addition to what the Jets have done with their 32 wins in their first 52 games of the regular season and being one point out of first, the West is as wide open as I can ever remember it right now, Jeff. And I think when you combine that with the forecast of significant challenges and keeping particular players in the mix, more than ever, it seems like if there was a time that Kevin Sheveldayoff was going to be as aggressive as he's ever been in helping boost his team at the deadline, this could very well be that year. Certainly many fans and people that observe the Winnipeg Jets are expecting that to be the case. Yeah, it'll be, it will certainly be interesting, right? I mean, I think it's super easy to look at. I mean, it's obviously easy to look at where they are in the standings and, and you know, look at how they've improved and certainly to ride some of the momentum that this team's, you know, gained from from the addition of Rick Bonus and his coaching staff. Um, and I think the Jets certainly have to be have to be buyers at the deadline. Um, but what I think is easy to kind of look at are the guys with expiring contracts, the rentals, right? The guys that come in. We know the Jets 
um, have been savvy. Kevin Sheveldeff has been savvy in the past to look beyond, you know, we've certainly seen him pick up rentals, you know, a la, a la you know, Kevin Hayes, a la, you know, a lot of different guys in the past. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to look at guys with, with, you know, years on their deal. We know how much uh, this team covets that. It, it, it has the potential to open up a window that appears to be closing in the next couple of years. Um, so I, I think it will be intriguing. And I think, I think it's, a, I think it's okay to hype up this trade deadline as a big one, because I think of everyone, whether it's media fans, I'd argue the players as well in that locker room, they're expecting big moves. I, I'm not saying the locker room screaming for help, but I don't think that, you know, you can look at what will be an interesting trade because someone's going to get crazy, right? There's going to be a few teams for sure that, that go all in or whatever. Um, so there's going to be a lot of comparisons after that day. And if Winnipeg hasn't gotten better and the teams around them, particularly the teams that are ahead of them or chasing them have, have made the moves to improve, there's going to be some displeasure in the, in the Jets locker room, especially for guys that, you know, look at their expiring contracts might, might mean a little bit more than just a, you know, a boost of confidence to the roster. So, um, you know, that's all a roundabout way of saying, you know, this is an important time for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Jets. It's an important time, you know, for fans as they, you know, look to look to find something again to cheer with this team and and to go on a long playoff run and have those whiteouts as COVID's, you know, is allowed for full uh, for full full ranks and everything. I think that this city needs that. And so, um, but again, I think it could come in a couple a couple different ways. It could certainly be a few rentals, um, but it could also be some bigger pieces. The Jets have some prospects. They have some players. Um, that they could that they could send the other way and so it's just one of those things that um, you know it's quickly approaching you know the work has been going on for weeks if not months now and you'll just see what comes to fruition on March 3rd when when everything starts yeah it it is going to be a fun month to uh, kick around all the possibilities follow what's happening in the league and then going to be a very busy Friday on the 3rd of March it's going to be episode 499 of WST as well as we get closer to a 500 year anniversary. It's going to be very busy beginning of March. Just one more on that topic. Um, put the GM hat on for a minute. If you're on Kevin Day off, what is your number one goal or priority? Is it adding a top four defenseman to play big minutes on the blue line? Or is it to add a big piece up front to uh, help the Winnipeg Jets offensively in the forward group? I'm. Uh, I believe the the Jets are thinking this way, and I and I I think this way is I think you need to be adding to your top four on D. I just think when it comes to playoffs, you know, obviously both would be great for this this team for, for this organization and for the fans as they want to watch a long, you know, deep playoff run, and and both could quite possibly be what happens. But I just when you look at playoff teams and deep playoff runs. Uh, you need that experience. You need that, you know, those defense play heavy minutes. And we're not talking about a depth defenseman here. We're talking about somebody that can come in your top four uh, that can eat up and chew up a lot of a lot of minutes. So, um, which again, makes everybody else's life on the blue line that much easier. Allows guys like Josh Morrissey to do even more than what he's been doing, um, you know, and the rest of the, the blue liners, right? So um, I would say that's probably the most important, important spot. Um, there's not a lot of names out there, but, it, you know, that being said, again, it doesn't have to be just guys on expiring contracts. Um, I just think that's part of the you know this team that's certainly while while we've seen some improvements, maybe give Connor Hellebuck a, a few easier nights than what we've seen so far through fifty two games. No, it's a great point, Jeff Hamilton from the Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Before we go, 
I got to ask you about the big game on Sunday. Um, very, very close to a pick. This has basically been a one, one and a half point uh, spread in favor of the Eagles over the course of the past week. We got the top two teams. I was talking about this today on the on the lock shop. It is eerie um, when you compare these two teams. They're both sixteen and three up until this point of the season. They both scored the exact same amount of points. Yeah. They've got the same amount of all pros. They've got two quarterbacks that are going on it. (laughs) Exactly. They've each got a Kelsey brother. Um, It's one of the best matchups, and never mind the brothers going against each other, Andy Reid's history with Philadelphia, all of that coming in. But just as it pertains to the actual game, um, you got a lean right now. What are you thinking, and um, how excited are you just to see these two teams play? Because I really do think that this is one of the great Super Bowl matchups we've had in recent uh, NFL history. Yeah, I love this matchup. I think it is, like you said, it's not just those stats that makes this team even. It's just the way, even if you just look at their seasons, they both battled through, you know, hurdles and issues and and both have been able to put on some pretty consistent performances week in and week out. So you don't really feel like there's a lame duck sitting here. Uh, I will say this, I'm not trying to get on too much of the mental side. I felt like Kansas City got a little bit uh, too excited off their uh, off their last victory, almost as if, you know, like Joe Burrow was in their heads and I don't know. Seems like he to was. me this, the celebration was a little was a little. I mean, of course, and for good reason. But um, I just felt like that was uh, you know a little bit too like we don't have enough, you know. Usually, there's a lot of business still to be done. Um, I don't know what if anything that plays out to, but uh, I'm going to go with Nick Dembski and take the Eagles in in uh, in Sunday's matchup. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm open. I'm open for wagers, guys. I'm open for wagers. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey, it's going to be a hell. Are of you a, going or hell what? of a matchup? Well, I. Uh, I don't think I'll be at the game. It's pretty hard to uh, pretty hard to stomach five or six k US. And, and listen, it makes me even more choked because, of course, I we've done a bunch of Super Bowls before. I've been to a bunch of the games, and I think now going into next year, that will be another goal on the to do list to make sure we get back there to do what we're doing. Whether the Chiefs will be there next year, I'm not sure, but uh, I don't think I'll be in Glendale. What a week to be in Glendale, around Phoenix, too, because the Waste Management Open is getting going. And that tournament is an absolute gong show any year, but you add in the Super Bowl around it and the field that they've got in this tournament this year with it being one of the elevated events, um, it certainly is going to be the place to be for the next little while. Hammer, Great stuff. What do you got cooking this week in the, in the free before the Jets hit the ice again on the weekend? Uh, just some more CFL stuff. Just kind of keeping my uh, ears to the pavement. Obviously, a Nick Dembski story today, and, and we'll see what happens. I'm not expecting a ton out there, but um, just some general assignment stuff. So I'll, I'll be poking my head around Bombers, Jets, see what I can't come up with, and uh, yeah, I go from there. Great talking to you, pal. Thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Huss. Shout out to the commenters. Good stuff. Speaking of the commenters, Scardy's in there. Huss is 0 for 2. I am over to you in asking for support of the Chiefs, but we didn't have a lot of support going into that AFC Championship game either, so I'm not too worried about it. Just getting excited, really, as we get closer to game time. All right, um, you know we had Nick Dembski on. What a great conversation! If you join us a little bit later, go back and check that out on YouTube or on the podcast. I'm talking about his off season and, of course, the new contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Every time we do our bomber reports and welcome in bomber guests, we do it. For our friends at Princess Auto, the uh, great sponsor of the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, and Manitoba's Top Curlers. 
Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new you can find at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, if you got water needs in the city of Winnipeg and Manitoba, you know who to go to. Family owned for over 65 years as the standard in the water industry. That is the great people over at Culligan Water. They're at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 and find out more about the reverse osmosis, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. And to find out more on everything Culligan can do for you and your family, you can find them online at drinkculligan.com. And uh, we raise a glass and give a big cheers to our friends, speaking of the Bombers, at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. While Nick Dembski will be back on the field wearing blue and gold at IG Field this season, we'll all be back in the stands and uh, maybe hanging around the rum hot occasionally. Uh, enjoying Canadian Club and, of course, the CC and Ginger in cans, which was such a big hit last year at IG Field. Pick up Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian rye whiskey, at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we are going to talk a little more hockey right now, and we wanted to bring in somebody that was there in South Florida for the festivities over the weekend and you know kind of talk about some of the differences as to what we saw on television and the impact that the game made there along with some big stories in and around the national hockey league and to do that now let's welcome in sean shapiro on winnipeg sports talk sean great to talk to you again how are you i'm good i'm good it's uh it's back in the uh weather i'm used to after a sunny weekend in south florida which you can't complain about but it's uh it was a good. It, it's 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 good to, for lack of a better word, watch some real hockey tonight and things like that. So. Yeah, right back <laughs> at it with about half the league or a little bit more back. Um, you know, fully playing. We'll have to wait until Saturday for the Jets to get going again. But, you know, before we talk about the events and, yeah. uh, you know, what the way things looked on television, some of the good and the bad from the weekend, I am interested in your perspective on what it's like to be there because this is an event that it actually is a big deal in the local market. Certainly we know that the South Florida market could stand to grow hockey wise Um, outside of whatever people were saying on social media from what they saw on television. How was the week overall and how was the National Hockey League and its stars received? Yeah, I think that sometimes gets lost on this. People look at just what the TV product is and and everything like that. And I think that sometimes gets lost on the – I mean, from a brass tax standpoint, bring I think the number was somewhere like thirty million dollars of economic impact to the Fort Lauderdale Sunrise area. Like, that's right off the bat, big, big business financial part of it. But you, you're there, and it was you're walking around, and there was they had it was one thing that was kind of interesting this year, just because of where the Panthers Arena is located. They did fan fest and people and players staying on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, which is about 20 minutes east of where the actual arena is. So, but you're walking around the Fort Lauderdale area and it's, there's people walking around on the beach in shorts and hockey jerseys and and, and they've got their gear on and you see it. And there's a pretty, and there's a pretty good, like you could tell you were there for NHL all-star. It's not like it was something where it's like, it's not like anyone could have been accused of like 
missing that it was happening. And they did a, and I thought you saw a lot of people who were there both locally who were, maybe this is the way they get introduced into it a little bit more. And then also you just saw a lot of people who just took the trip or like, Hey, I'm, I can go to South Florida, see pretty good spot to go in, in, in early February, spend some time. And, um, I, th- I think they've done a, one thing they started doing in Vegas last year and, uh, and the, they did it in Florida this year is I think they've started to do a pretty good job of just making the event extend out into the community. You see the Panthers um, doing some stuff where they're helping build uh, they're reaching out to help. They refurbished a couple of ball hockey t- uh, courts for, for the local community. They, they've done, they did some, uh, some other community outreach things where it's just, it kind of, you felt more of that. And that's stuff that you really don't get when you're on the, when, when you're looking at it on the TV. And as far as like a base and growing, you got to start somewhere, right? Like it's that, and I know it's, I know it's a long way. And I think, honestly, I think Florida probably takes, takes a bit of a, it's a bit of a bad rap because of, how much success Tampa has. Like, I think sometimes we look at what they've done in Tampa to build the hockey community. And we think that should be the norm. And I think sometimes we need to remember that Tampa needs more kudos for what they've done. They, they deserve a ton more credit for what they've done. And the baseline between what Tampa has done and what Florida has done, it's probably somewhere more in the middle of what should be normal. I think the Panthers are still in the spot of getting back to that. Um, part of it was, I think a lot of people forget the fact that this organization went through some ownership changes and, basically what the ownership group is doing now and building a brand new practice facility, building some rinks. Those are things where you'll see the quote unquote impact that Tampa is having four or five years from now. Like you can't really do like, if you have, you can't make up for, you didn't introduce kids eight, nine years when you didn't introduce kids to the game eight, nine years ago, it's hard to get them now. And so I think we're starting to see the grassroots effort in Florida with this new ownership group that it just takes a while to get into it. And, the league is is helping with that, and I think this All Star Weekend just kind of will help grow all of that. So, and we can be and I, the product on TV, yeah, we can talk about that. But in general, I think we we also need to remember these events do have an impact on growing the game where it is. And just like we saw last year, we'll, we'll see an impact in Vegas where there's some kid six seven years from now who we'll hear about who'll be like, oh well, I I really latched onto the sport because I saw it at this time or whatever things like that. Sean, you uh, you of course were there, and there's a great piece on EP yeah. Ringside um, for. Um, it, we'll talk maybe a little bit about the the very bizarre circumstances of Bo Horvat rocking yeah. the Islanders' yeah. crest on the yeah. Pacific team. But yeah. as far as the 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 event goes, from where you were sitting there, um, yeah, what did work, what didn't, and I mean you kind of touch on this. Yeah. I mean, as far as saving this event, where's the focus for that to make this game better in your mind? Yeah, to me, the bigger disappointment, um, like the All-Star game basically kind of fit what I expected. Like, I don't really I don't really go into the game itself with much expectations. If anything, actually, I was like, the second game was actually pretty good it as far really as all. good. Like, 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 guys are actually trying. Like, it's funny, I wrote something about this. Like, Dylan Larkin was back-checking. Like, it, there was, like, guys were actually, were trying. Like, so they, the, the game actually was better than expected. The the thing that really really botched this year was the skills competition. To me, had been kind of still been a bit of the the saving grace, where you're like, okay, this is still cool. We get kind of some 
metrics and numbers and data points about players and things we learned, like there was still kind of an interesting thing about the skills competition. And this year between, and, and it worked well last year where I thought they, they took a swing and really connected on it last year in Vegas where they did the, Hey, let's do the event from the fountains. Let's do the event, uh, the card, the, the card shark event that they did on the street and everything like that. And those really worked in Vegas. And I think this year, the delivery of it got overly disjointed because, and I, and I don't have an issue with the two events, actually. I think the two outside of the arena events, I think those are actually kind of cool in a vacuum. Like I like the little golf thing, I would actually watch a couple more holes of that. Like I, that was actually, like I'd actually a couple more, but but the thing that was at least within Vegas from a presentation standpoint was arenas right here, the strips right here. As a viewer, you could suspend disbelief that, you know what, we actually have Zach Wierenski from here to here, and he's actually just gone over there to do it. Like, you could actually suspend disbelief. Like I like, And I think to go from Sunrise to all of a sudden, hey, we've got these guys in on the beach and flip-flops and dunk tanks, I just think it kind of made even more of a disconnect with the off ice things where you're like, okay, well, this is clearly like, and like they're on a golf course. You're like, this is, they clearly did this. They clearly did this the other day. This is not the same thing. And I think it really killed a lot of the energy in the building too, because if you're like, let's use an American kid that you're supposed to be marketing a ton in Jason Robertson, right? Jason Robertson is only impact on the skills competition is just as a passer or whatever. Like, he was in the golf thing and people on TV saw it, but you're trying to grow an American base and you got a kid that is Asian American kid who you should be really promoting mm. in a market like South Florida too. Like how is he not at least doing something where people in the building can get excited about it? Like, I think they just had a big miss. They kind of took some of the things that worked from Vegas and didn't and over applied some of the lessons. And the other thing, just from a TV perspective and, and I was obviously seeing it in person, but I've heard this review from a lot of people is they tried to overly fix um, viewership dips in the past. Like they, the historically ESPN has seen and, and the NHL has seen like uh, fastest skater ends, hardest shot ends and viewership numbers kind of drop after that. And so that's why we saw the, Oh, let's do fastest skater. Let's And then we'll come back for the finals later or accuracy shooting. We'll do this. And, and the kind of the separation of it, was trying to build a better TV product and they completely missed the mark. They basically, they didn't communicate it very well and they just didn't, um, they just, there's, there's people just kind of got lost and it just became too confusing and too disjointed. And hopefully one of my, one of my most encouraging things I heard just talking to some people at the end of it is at least ESPN and the NHL both looked at and like, well, holy crap, we got to fix this for next year. So at at least internally, they know that. Hope we'll see what application actually looks like. But it's it was it's always an event that like it should be more fun. It's it's something where like I remember watching as a kid, and I I always wonder if it was just me being a naive kid who not realized what I was watching, and if I've just become like an old curmudgeon, or if it's uh, or if it's actually there's actually something that we can actually do to fix this. I don't I don't know, but I I think they need to definitely try. Well, it's funny you say that because we constantly hear things like, hey, you know, don't complain. This is for the kids. And then they're doing Happy Gilmore references and Miami Vice, which, to be honest, I don't think are resonating with kids in 2023 very much. Um, All that being said, Sean, when it comes down to it, I always think about, 
you know, following the NBA, um, what an honor it is and how badly these guys want to be in the All-Star game and want to participate. And in previous years, it's sort of become seemingly a chore for NHL players to get there. And, you know, part of the, the reason why you hear is we just like to see these guys try a little bit more. Um, yeah. Is there anything you can do about that or anything the league can do about that? Yeah. Um, I have one. I like it's not for the game itself. The one thing that I would like them to take from the NBA is to like NBA. You don't have to be an all-star to be in the skills competition, right? Like the Thank dunk you. contest. And so like, I think we should be taking um, like, I, I don't, I'm, I apologize. I don't remember the kid's name, but I saw in the AHL all-star game last night, there was a kid who like clocked in under 13 seconds on fastest skater at the AHL all-star game. And the six, seven fastest guys in the league as much as we love what McDavid does, if, if you put in a pure sprint, I don't know if the um, the fastest six guys in the league are actually in the all-star game, right? So we have this data. We have all this puck and player tracking. I've, always, I've been pushing the idea, and I even told and the, uh, Steve Mayer from the NHL that they need to do it. Hopefully he listens to me. Uh, where you take the take that puck and player data that you have and take the six guys who have had the fastest skating time this season, the six guys with the hardest shots of the season, fly them down to South Florida and – just like, okay, hey, this is a true hardest shot competition. This is a true fastest skater. And that, but that's me. I, I like pitching that idea, so I went on that tangent there. But as far as the game itself, um, the one idea I heard that would never, ever happen, but the idea that I heard is like, how do you make guys uh, – how do you guys – how do you make guys really care is instead of putting the million-dollar check on it – and once again, I'm saying this is a joke because this would never actually happen – winning team, those guys don't have to pay escrow this year. That's the, uh, <laughs> there's the, uh, there's, there's, the, there's the solution right there. Like now obviously it would never happen and would never work, but, uh, these guys don't care about a million dollars. All they care about is escrow. So if we get rid of the, uh, <laughs> that is a great, uh, <laughs> you're right. It probably would be tough to pull off, but it certainly would work. Um, yeah. back to your idea though, about the skills competition and getting some other players. And that's something that we've talked about myself and Michael yeah. on this program for the last few weeks heading into this. And, I really believe that the game itself suffers because you don't have all of the best players there. And that simply yeah. is part of the um, part of the way that it's set up right now with having to have every team represented. Yeah. But if you, if for the game and you're going to be playing in the all-star game, you're taking the best players regardless of team, but have every team represented with a player or two in the skills competition. And it certainly would allow you to make a much bigger, like, there's only five guys in the fastest skater this year. Like, yeah. if those are the ones that people are watching, if the hardest shot is what people like, and that's the most organic and the most natural one to do it, why not have all teams represented in something like that? Take a little bit more time. I mean, if you can't put it all on television, whatever. Um, to me, it solves, it, it improves both the skills competition and the game, and yet still will make every NHL fan feel like their team is represented over the course of the weekend. That, that would be like, that would be a great way to do it. Like, for example, you take a, and he's had a, he's had a good season. And I'm not saying he hasn't had a good season, but like Chandler, Chandler Stevenson should be in the all-star game. And, and I, and I know he's got eh but there's other guys who aren't right. Like, and, and that's actually a great idea. It's like, okay, make sure everyone's represented in some way in the skills competition. And then the other thing is like with the skills competition is like, we, we put guys into boxes where it's like, 
I want to see McDavid in more. I don't want to have a choice between do I see McDavid in fastest skater or accuracy shooting? Like, okay, why can't he do both? Well, because we're, this is how it's always been done and everything like that. Like, the whole one player per team for the game thing just hurts it a lot. Like, and then the league ends up, and part of it was because, and then they painted themselves into a weird spot where Maddie Beneers gets hurt. Seattle has no one there. They try to get someone from Seattle, and Seattle has no one there. And it's like, we're going to go out of our way to make sure Seth Jones gets into the All-Star game. And this is nothing against Seth Jones. He really was the best option from Chicago. But if we're going to go out of our way to say Chicago has to some go somewhere, have someone, and we're not going to go out of our way to find a way to get somebody from a team that, oh, by the way, is going to be a playoff team, is second-year franchise that is growing the game and one of the top revenue teams already in the league, and we're not going to go find a way to make sure they get in, it's – like, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find a way to find to get creative. And I actually love your, I love your idea of like, hey, let's best players through All Star Game. Let's just use the skills competition to make sure we're getting someone from everywhere. Like, I love that idea. Like, that's 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 that's. I'm gonna start trumping that idea too. Beautiful. So. <laughs> we'll start pumping it up. We'll see if we can make any difference for uh, uh, the big festivities in Toronto next week. Before we go, and, and this is part yeah. of the piece that you've got up at uh, at EP. Uh, it, it was somewhat bizarre, but it was somewhat normal to see Elias yeah. Pedersen and Bo Horvat playing together for the Pacific Division, one wearing a Canucks logo, the other wearing a uh, a Islanders logo. Uh, talk about that, if you would, and not yeah. to mention what happened after that. Just your <laughs> thoughts on uh, Bo's extension, which in Lou Lamorello's uh, words was too long and too much money, but he's an Islander for yeah. eight years. Yeah, uh, it's with, with how things have gone in Vancouver this season, it was almost perfect because, right, like it's been it's been a mess. You've got people who you've got a coach getting basically raked over the coals for what felt like six weeks to two months. And then you get you get you get Pedersen and Horvat basically playing together. And it, it was just it was just overly fitting. Right. With just to see them kind of uh, one last go together in in that manner with in on top of that i just thought the fact that they were wearing the reverse retros on the skills competition and so he's in the fisherman even what even even it made it even more just like <laughs> just made it even greater and like it, it, it's 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 a space where uh it's it's one way where the all-star game actually did what it's supposed to do in a way like i remember and and uh i remember when you're you're watching guys like, and we got it with like Crosby and Ovechkin, like part of the all-star game, the beauty of the all-star game is supposed to be, you get to see guys play together who never play together or these combinations that we don't see and everything like that. And in a weird way, the all-star game worked where it's like, okay, we get one last reminder (laughs) of what this was and what Vancouver basically kind of fell apart of. And it was, it was just weird. I mean, like you have, you have, you look down on the ice and you have, all of the Western Conference players on one bench and Horvat and his son are sitting there in Islanders jerseys while they get two other Islanders guys over on the other end of the ice. Like it was just, it was just such a bizarre, weird thing. And then he signs the, uh, the extension that gets announced yesterday, the eight by uh, 8.5. And I, I lose quote where it's too long and too much money. Like I really wish they should have just put that in the press release. Like, cause Lou, Lou wasn't getting the press. The press release came out and it's like he agreed to the terms, eight year terms, and it's like that's it. They didn't put the terms out or anything like that. And obviously eventually it always gets out. But that should have just been in the press release. So we've signed we've signed we've signed Bo Horvat for for too long and too much money, but he's here. Like that's what it's 
that's what they should just put in the press release. I, the Islanders, like, you look at that team and you go through, like, the you, whether you pull it up on cap friendly or whatever, you look at, like, the long-term cap, like, spots, and you look at you're like, this is, there's a lot of guys who are signed till they're, like, 34, 35 on this team. And it's a space where you just kind of wonder with them of, like, it's what happens in that year where they all hit the wall at the same time? Like, it's like, like you look at it and it's like, this is, you get a bunch of, you're going to even, even if Horvat's good for, for three or four years of that deal. And I, and I think what he's doing this year is a little bit probably, I mean, it's above what he normally has done anyway. So he's, it's, you're already overpaying in general and it's, <laughs> He, Lou just really must have loved that team from three, two or three years ago because basically just keeps keep just basically keeps finding a way to keep that team together and just add the occasional guy. I mean, they the fact that they have found a solution. Like, what would this what would the long term look like in if they had not figured something out with Sorokin? Just because you just wonder on that front because you're just like this is a space where yeah, this. You can, you can only you can only keep rebuilding, especially in the East, right? There's there's such a there. This this is a team that that is built that honestly would probably be a playoff team in the West right now, but in the East, it's just it's like okay, I guess you have the guys to to battle and be in that tenth and eleventh place spot for a long time. That's just what it feels like there. It, it is wild. I mean, when you look at cap friendly for the Islanders and go ahead a couple years. I mean, I guess in three years when Bo Horvat is on the other side of 30, I'm talking about, I think I read it was like 60-odd million in players that were going to be on the other side of 30. And yeah. not to mention the picks that they've traded up to to, to and players that they've got to, to this point. Um, a lot on the line for the Islanders. And, I mean, they still only have, I mean, probably, at, at, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, maybe a 30% chance of making the playoffs. That being said, I... I was thinking if they went the other way and things didn't get done with Horvat, we might have seen him traded again at the deadline. So <laughs> yes. obviously we know that that's not uh, not not happening. Um, Sean, this has been an awesome chat. It's so great to have you back on the program. Um, fill people in on where they can find all your content these days. Yeah, yeah. As, as you guys know, it's all been figuring out the the new digital media world and everything yeah. like that. So uh, as as I'm over at a EP Rinkside, I'm doing a lot over there, but I also have. Uh, also have a my own venture, which is I basically kind of call it my own sandbox of hockey thoughts and everything like that. Over uh, it's called Shap Shots, is the, the run it through Substack. It's just a basically combination of things where I wrote some like I was sitting at the airport Sunday morning, getting ready to fly back, and had a couple of thoughts to unload and just put them in there. So it's kind of it's uh, so at Twitter at Sean Shapiro there the Shap Shap Shots is uh is a model where you can subscribe and everything like that. We got both, I got both free and premium content there, kind of the quote unquote premium model to figure it out. And then uh, also over at EP ringside. So it's, it's been, it's been a good space. Well, listen, it's been great having you back in the program. Hopefully we can do this again later on this season. Uh, have a great one. All the best. And uh, take it, take it easy today after what was probably a very busy weekend down in South Florida. Will do. Thanks guys. All right, great stuff with Sean Shapiro. Leon Dreisaitl lookalike. I'm not sure if any of you all had that same uh, same reaction to Sean coming on, but uh, 
and we've spoken with him before. I had no idea how much of a dead ringer he was for the uh, Edmonton Oilers star. Uh, anyways, appreciate Sean coming on. Make sure to give him a follow and check out what he's doing over at EP Rinkside. Um, all right. Got to give a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Um, it's warm outside right now. Perfect time to maybe take the kids out for some ice cream. You know where to do it. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Amazing burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and more. The best ice cream treats around. And if you're thinking about a little party uh, coming up, ice cream cake, blizzard cake, Nick and Nikki got you covered. You can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Get it custom ordered for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And, uh, our friends at Little Brown Jug, I know have a great. We had a great weekend. Uh, pop by there for a couple on Saturday afternoon. Always love jumping into the Little Brown Jug tap room. If you haven't been by there, what are you waiting for? And maybe you are waiting for March 29th for the next edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia over at Little Brown Jug. Save that date. We'll let you know in the next coming weeks about when. Tickets will be available to reserve your spot. But, uh, man, we had such a great time. The first time we did it, we're going to be doing it again. And we hope to see you all there. Of course, Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, 1919, the flagship brand. But so many great offerings. Why not pick up a Good Times variety pack right now with four of the newest Little Brown Jug beers? You can grab that at Little Brown Jug at Manitoba Liquor Marts or wherever sells good beer at Check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. You can order beer and merch for citywide delivery anytime. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. And then uh, Remo and I have some other things to discuss coming out of the weekend. Super Bowl still one and a half in favor of the Eagles. Chiefs plus 104 on the money line. Eagles minus 122 on the money line. And uh, oh, Totals actually has gone up. It was 50 and a half earlier today when we did the lock shop. It's now up to 51. And yes, new lock shop today. Talk more, some hockey futures, tonight's hockey games, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, lock shop bets on YouTube. Hit that sub button and uh, retweet the tweet at lock shop bets for your chance to win $1,000 once we hit 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. All right, the NHL's back tonight. We have five, six games on the slate, including the Battle of Florida. Paul Maurice's Panthers desperate to get on a winning streak right out of the break, hosting their arch rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Lightning minus 124, Panthers plus 106. Philadelphia Flyers hosting the New York Islanders. Bo Horvat expected to make his debut as an Islander with this brand new $68 million contract that we just talked about with Sean Shapiro. Islanders minus 131, Flyers plus 111 tonight. The Canucks without Bo Horvat, but with Anthony Beauvillier, the new Bo in town, they're in New Jersey to take on the Devils. Van plus 215 on the money line, the Devils minus 257. Calgary and the Rangers pick them. At MSG, no Shesterkin tonight. Yarrow Halak's going to get the start for the New York Rangers. And the uh, Ducks and Stars in Dallas. Dallas, a massive favorite, minus 379. Uh, they'll look to make up the game they have in hand on the Winnipeg Jets. And if they win, we'll be three points ahead of the Jets, both with 52 games played. 
in the final game tonight, the Minnesota Wild, a big road favorite at Mullet Arena against the Coyotes. Minus 243 for the Wild, plus 200 for the Coyotes. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at coolbet.com. Remo, you got any leans for tonight's game? Uh, you, you have any picks you want to drop on the on the people? Oh, you know, I actually, I'm so trapped in uh, what's going on with the Jets. I assumed it, the whole NHL was off this week, but there is was, actual. I, me too. I was stunned that we had a bunch of games today. I thought that maybe like midweek we'd get back going. Yeah. But listen, I'm here for it. Uh, there was, I said, I was watching some, I watched a bunch of basketball actually on the weekend. And I usually don't do that until football is completely over and we're getting into closer to the playoffs. But uh, my guy, Bolway, Scotty Barnes, big game last night. Raps had a nice win and uh, they need to win a few more games if they even want to be in the play-in tournament right now. And speaking of basketball, there was that big trade. Kyrie Irving, the problem child. He's moved on to Dallas to team up with Luka Doncic after the Nets uh, acquiesced to his trade wishes and got him the heck out of Jersey. Yeah, big, uh, or Brooklyn, first of all, I should say. a lot of games tonight. I am looking forward to it. And yeah, that, that was a big trade yesterday. You know, I am happy to have the hockey back because my evening seemed bare. Without it, we'll have to see what happens with Kyrie. I mean, will uh, he make Dallas better or will it be a complete train wreck like he's been the last couple of years, Huss? So that'll be... Exciting, and I did see a report that Stephen A. Smith saying they might trade Durant next, and what a disaster uh, this has been, Huss. Have you think of a worse disaster where you get, you know, two great players, and you had Steve Nash come in as coach, and I think uh, Kyrie was there for like 70-something games. They had one playoff run. There was like such high expectation. So. That was supposed to be the new super team in the National Basketball Association. Uh, that didn't work. Um couple congrats to hand out. First of all, shout out to the IC boys, Ezzy, Drew, Dave. Congrats on their 14th anniversary on the weekend. Um, man, the boys started back up at the old uh, Red River Station, I believe, and then obviously a great run on uh, 1290 and didn't even miss a beat when everything happened a couple Februarys ago. And uh, we're, in, uh, we're in good spots. Jeez, that, that reminds me, Rumo, that's... Uh, Thursday is the two-year anniversary of uh, yes. of us getting blown out. Yeah, Thursday. I know it really has flown by. So uh, Thursday is a big twelve ninety day on TSN on uh, on uh, WST. We may have to uh, hit up some of the old boys. I think Brandon will probably come on with us that day. Maybe we'll lean on uh, a return visit from Westy. Of course, Libel was on last week, but we'll do all of that. And the other congratulations to a great friend, Nolan Baumgartner. Um, he is uh, taking part part in the AHL All-Star Game festivities along with Moose defenseman Declan Chisholm, uh, but went into the AHL Hall of Fame. Very well deserved. What an incredible player he was for those years with the Manitoba Moose. And uh, yeah, you were mentioning to me off air, maybe the most impressive thing about the AHL All-Star Game is the uh, double duty done by none other than Mickey Moose this weekend, Reem. Yeah, the Jets, um, who did a great job with social media at the All-Star game, they tweeted out a picture of Mickey Moose in the AHL All-Star game, too. So I don't know if you know how we got to got there that quick. Uh, can you go through, like, 
go through what the customs in that suit. They let him through this airport security us, but uh, it's got to be some kind of record back to back All Star games. Uh, incredible accomplishment for Mickey Moose. Yeah. Hard, hardest working mascot in pro sports. I don't think there's any doubt. Well, you know, we talked about how to make the All Star game better. They, you know, they had a mascot game after the skills competition. Like, why is no one streaming that? Why isn't that on YouTube? Why can't I watch it on Instagram? Like, huge that would have L. been way better than seventy percent of what they put forth. And as I said, I tweeted this out. I think heading into the uh, the weekend. By far, the most incredible spectacle that the National Hockey League could do, and I realize it's not necessarily hockey-related, but can you imagine a battle royal of all 32 NHL mascots? I mean, you... Something that you could bet on beforehand. Like, I've been infatuated with this. I wanted to... I, I don't know anything about making video games, but if I did, I would try to create like a mascot brawl game, like a fighting game, but it's just kind of a more fun fighting game, not like a blood and guts Mortal Kombat game with all the NHL mascots or maybe just mascots in general. But then thinking about the opportunity with all of those mascots there together for a full-fledged Royal Rumble, let the fur fly. Um, you want to talk about going viral? That would absolutely do it. Thank me later for that great idea, NHL. Yeah, a lot of good tweets uh, about the mask. I think the All-Star game is like a big time for mascots where they get to get up and do do their thing. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, they did tweet out some highlight videos of them. It's amazing they can all skate. I guess that's a requirement if you're going to be a hockey mascot. Oh, yeah. You got to be able to put on the skate. So. Pretty much all of them. Pretty much all of them do. Mickey Moose certainly can anyways. Some double duty for uh, for Mickey Moose. Um, anything else you want to get to coming out of the all-star game rule changes? Oh, um, yeah. So this was the big topic. Um, you know, they ask all the players like random questions and they're asking Crosby about the playoff format and he's sparking up. He wants to see one to eight playoff format. He wants it back. Some other players, they should get longer three on three overtime. Um, I'll say where I stand. The playoff format should definitely change. I think you're, I don't like this divisional bracket. I think they did it for marketing purposes. So they think people want to fill out a bracket. You just want to see the best teams get rewarded by playing worse teams and you have divisions that are not. Are you equal. willing to change the schedule and have I don't, less? I don't see why this it has to the schedule has to change at all, to be honest. Like I don't think even think the divisions you play well, within your division that much right now. Like I think the schedule's fine. Well, you certainly play more in your division than in against the other division in the West and then yeah. You know, at a certain point, if one division is stacked and way better than the others, and you have teams that are playing eight and ten more games against quality opposition, and other teams are playing eight and ten more games against the Ducks, um, you know that would inherently be unfair. I mean, that I, I I do agree with the commissioner that that would something that would also have to change. I'm not necessarily opposed to it though. Um, I think the unique matchups of the one to eight, and I still think back. I'm not old enough to really remember this. But there was a time that the NHL playoffs went 1-16. to 16. Yeah, they and need to do that. 1-16 to 16 would be incredible. I mean, again, it would be some wild travel that a lot of teams wouldn't like, and I'm sure that that would sort of sink it before they even got going down that road. But the ability to play any team in the National Hockey League in any round is yes. very attractive to me as a fan. Yeah, I think we want that, any two teams. That would be pretty cool. Uh, the other come was the overtime. Like, 
I, I don't know. Do we have that many shootouts? I don't mind. I mean, I think it should be longer. But, like, if you want less overtime and shootouts, maybe make the games, what, three points for a win or 3-2-1, get rid of the loser point, or make regulation. Sorry, just, I don't care what the points are, Hus. Make a regulation win worth more than winning an overtime win or a shootout win. That's yes. all you need to do. And that'll change. And make every game worth the same amount of points. Yeah. I mean, again, it just makes it makes too much sense. I mean, I think we'd all love more three-on-three overtime. As much as I'm a proponent of the shootout, I mean, I, I love watching the shootout when overtime is finished. Why? Because there's no more overtime. I'd far rather that than a tie as someone that buys tickets. But I think everyone would agree that the... I mean, three-on-three overtime is awesome, especially... The NHL right now, when that extra point is so important, I don't know anyone that wouldn't like it to go to 10 minutes, except for maybe the PA. And it is interesting you're hearing some of the top players in the league asking for that because those are going to be the guys that are going to be having those extra wear and tear from extra minutes playing at three on three. So if the players are in, I see no reason why the league wouldn't want to follow suit. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not like a big anti tie guy like I, I don't know but yeah why not just play i would be down for them playing a couple minutes but i don't think that's like a huge issue the bigger issue is the inequality with some games worth being worth two standings points and some being worth three and then got teams just playing for overtime because there's no incentive to win in regulation and we did have some breaking news hustler breaking jets news actually a minute ago uh winnipeg jets pr tweeting up tweeting this out uh, shout out to BA Split who had this in chat. Uh, where is it? Uh, I'll raise. Injury update. Jets prospect Chaz Lucius underwent successful shoulder surgery today after suffering an injury while playing for the Winterhawks of the WHL. Oh. He will miss the rest of the season. No way. And he was player of the week last oh, week. Oh, he had such a great start. He had 11 points in his first four games for Portland and was really playing it. You know, this is really unfortunate. This is something that, I mean, you hope doesn't follow him to the National Hockey League whenever he seems to be ready to go. Um, but, man, this kid has had some serious, serious injury problems and has missed a ton of hockey this season and over the last couple of years. That being said, when he's in the lineup, he definitely is a difference maker. Uh, but... You have to be concerned with um, you know, with this pattern right now of missing plenty of time, and that's uh, really unfortunate to hear after the uh, the start with him. Brad Lambert, as we mentioned, also playing in the Western Hockey League right now, um, got a nice addition to his squad. Dylan Gunther has been sent from the Coyotes back to Seattle. Um, this is a team now that I think is absolutely stacked and poised to Maybe be there at the end of the season playing the Winnipeg Ice for all the marbles in the Western Hockey League final for a trip to Memorial Cup. Yeah, I, you know, there's all this talk about, uh, first of all, about Chaz Lucius. Where should he play? What's best for him? I don't know if this was a joke or not, but uh, Doug Phil writes, should have sent him to the AHL and to the WHL. He wouldn't have got hurt there. <laughs> I'm assuming, assuming that was. That was a joke. So uh, that's a tough, tough for him. I think he had a, what the ankle issue before. Now he's got shoulder surgery. Um, oh, for the year. That's that's tough. Yeah, at least it's not the same thing that that kept him mm -hmm. out. Um, but it, Doug does make a good point. That is a uh, 
a little bit on B.A. Smith trade the guy every year he's hurt. Well, it's probably not happening now if, um, you know, he's in the situation that he's in. Although I guess it is a prospect if a team really, really did like him. Maybe that's the guy that they want to take a chance on. I kind of thought that he'd be a guy that they definitely would want to keep. Um, but with some of the players that we've talked about, the Jets being interested in potentially in the mix, some of your top prospects may need to be on the table, and Chaz Lucius certainly would be uh, would be one of those players. Speaking of uh, trades, Reem, uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves talked a lot about those two players. Taves seemingly, I think, open to a deal. Um, Patrick Kane has received teams that have shown interest in trading for him, but it sounds like he's still undecided to even leave Chicago this season. Yeah, here's a tweet from Mario Tirabassi of, what is it, DHGO Sports? Um, so he says, Patrick, and I'm assuming this is from a scrum, I saw the people saying this too, but Patrick Kane says his agent has come to him with some teams that have shown interest in trading for him, but he's still undecided about what to do. And I guess what's to decide, like, do you want to have the summer off or not? Is that the decision, Huss? Or <laughs> what's, yeah, what's to decide? Other plans in the spring? I guess, like, moving sucks. Um, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe he just, he just like, want... does the he does he pulls the Matt Sundin. Says, he just nah, wants no. To... I'm just gonna play it out and then sign somewhere else as a free agent next year. I mean, they've won three cups. Like maybe he wants to. He's like, you know what? I like having the summer. I kind of did my part. It's like you know when a band releases all their best albums, like, and then they keep trying to make new ones that aren't as good. And he's like done his best work already. He's he's just cruising on the hits, Huss. Oh, he's still so pretty be, good. Still pretty good player. I mean, he's playing with not much talent there in Chicago, but I don't know. He's just like screw it. Like I've I've won cups already. Like I want my summer. I don't know who wants to play hockey all year. Yeah, um, I mean some some guys do. He's got a lot of wear and tear. There's no doubt about it. Although pretty durable, always out there, still very very productive and. Um, he is one of the more fascinating cases going into the trade deadline as to whether he'll green light a move and where he might end up if he decides that he wants to leave Chicago a little earlier than was expected when he signed that uh, monster eight-year deal. Tough, tough uh, for Nick Suzuki. He had that great, great performance with the birdie putt in the golfing, the puck golfing event at the All-Star game. And... It's like you win a great prize, but it doesn't fit. Um, he gets free Chipotle for a year, Remo, but there's one key asterisk to that prize won by Suzuki. Yeah, Chipotle was the was the Chipotle NHL pigeon puck, and he won Chipotle for a year, and they asked him about it, and he said, yeah, we don't have Chipotle in Montreal. I don't know if they should have thought of that before. I know they go, he goes on the road, but I mean, it's not really a useful prize, and... It's just a funny moment of the All-Star game. It's like when they asked Josh Morrissey, like, what's your favorite, you know, beach day? And he's like, you know, we don't have the beach in Winnipeg. It's cold. We shovel snow. So a um, couple, hey, they want to see personality and stuff. A couple zingers there from Morrissey and yeah. Nick Suzuki. Well, you know what? Morrissey in the future can maybe remind folks that in the summer, there's wonderful beaches and lots of great things to do. But, hey, it's hockey season right now. We're not thinking about the beach other than 
seeing what the guy, the fun that the guys had down on the beach as part of the All Star game. They're focused on on hockey on the right now, uh, not focused on going to the beach. Um, Ream, okay, get this. Get, can you get that video up for a minute? Oh, I took sure. this on the weekend. I'm interested in the thoughts and chat. So, uh, very late Saturday night, I pop my head outside for a little fresh air, and all of a sudden, I hear something that I'd never heard of on the river before. And it was some pretty loud-ass snowmobiles doing a run. And it got me thinking, and again, you can tell I'm not experienced with snow machines, have not been on them before, not familiar with the culture of snow machines or any of the rules. It got me thinking, this is weird that I'd never seen anything like this before. And then with the noise and stuff, um, well, for, here's... Here's how it looked, and for those of you on the uh, podcast, this is how it sounded. Now it's time to turn it around. Yeah, four snowmobiles there. I gotta say, at night, it did look really, really cool. It was a little bit loud. I didn't care. I'm sure maybe some other people. No, this isn't to Karen these guys out or narc on them. I was legitimately wondering why that, you know, didn't really happen before. And it dawned upon me that maybe that's not allowed. And it was then pointed out to me that it is, in fact, not allowed. And I guess for obvious reasons. Um, But I know there's people that are big time into snowmobiling. It actually does look quite fun. Uh, But that was kind of a strange thing to to catch in the middle of the night on Sunday and uh, or on Saturday morning. Those guys must have had a pretty long run because a couple of people said, oh, we heard them out in Charleswood. So uh, probably coming out way from the west side of the city all the way to where the skating uh, the skating uh, thing starts at Hugo and then doing the uh, the U-Ball. You ever been on a snowmobile before, Reem? I never have, actually, uh, been on a snowmobile. Uh, that's some serious noise pollution there. And Nicole J says, I hate them. They drive by my house at all hours of the night. No rules in r- rural Manitoba. So... I don't know. I have no idea what the rules are either, but I'm assuming you can't do that in the city. I guess it's just a motorized vehicle. It's probably on the same. Although, as loud as that was, and some people say, oh, that's so obnoxious, that's only like a 2 out of 10 if you compare the motorcycle bros that roll down Cordon at like 18, 20, 25 deep, all making tons of noise in the summer. That is way more obnoxious than the guys in the middle of the night on the snow machines. Um, that being said, I did think it looked really cool. It sounded pretty neat. Although I guess if that was happening all the time, people would be uh, not as big a fan of it. That's for sure. Yeah, it looks. It does look cool at night with the lights coming off them. It almost looks like a movie or something. I don't know what these guys are up to, but I mean, your video. People seem to like your video, Hustler. You got twenty thousand views on it on Twitter. So well done. Really. Oh, I had no idea. Well, I guess it's just sort of a weird thing that just popped up and people did pay attention to it. So uh, there you go. Lots of people checking that out. Um, one more thing. Oh, is this true? You put this in the notes. Yarmir Yager scored his 1,099th career goal at almost 51. He's turning 51 in a week. Yeah, he's turning 51 on the, <laughs> on on. the July, uh, February 15th. And yeah, scored his 1,099th career goal. He's playing with Cladno in the... Uh, Czech league. I always picture like, remember when you see highlights of Putin playing and like guys would just move <laughs> out of the way for him and let him score. 
Like, Yarmir Yager is still a pretty good player, but I wonder if these, like, all the guys playing in this league are probably, like, 20-year-old kids. Looked up to Yager, such a legend. Like, I wouldn't want to go and try to take the puck from him. I, I mean, he's he's still putting up points. Um, but as he has 1,099th pro goal, passing Wayne Gretzky for the most in hockey history. He's he's 51 years old, Huss. I mean, this guy is absolutely amazing. And it was a wraparound goal. It came from behind the net and slammed it far side. And he's fist bumping. He knows what it meant, but... I mean, I I don't know what the competition is like, but it's really impressive that he's still giving her. He owns the I, team. I, gotta, I think he feels he feels like hostage that he has yeah, to play. He does. He does. I have heard that before. That mm-hmm. that being said, let's get to eleven hundred for sure. Get him another goal in the next little bit. Maybe on his birthday, the fifteenth, everyone can help him out. But listen, it's it's not a Putin. It's not a Putin scene, as you suggested. <laughs> no, that's a joke. That's a he's joke. He's still playing hard. Um. All right. Uh. Before we go. Do uh, you wanted to give a shout out to uh, uh, some guys that came up during your Costco experience on the weekend? Oh, sure. Well, a couple notes. We got a couple notes here uh, before I get to that. But I do. Yeah, I was checking out at Costco yesterday, and they, you know, the person asked me, "So, is there anything that you had? You no, know, it was like trouble finding anything." And then normally, like, no, 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 I didn't. But I actually had like three or four things that, and so I started, you know, making some jokes. A long so list like, of things you couldn't find. I, I actually did have three things. I had, I told them two, but and there was one that uh, I forgot about, so I did. And I guess they heard me talking, and one guy's like, "I recognize that voice anywhere." That's Remo, and it was two guys <laughs> at Costco recognized me. So shout out to them. And then I started putting our stuff away in the trunk. My wife's like, why are you smiling? And I was like, well, those two guys recognized me. I don't know, made, made me feel kind of good. Uh, so. Big moment, big moment. Was, well, as I said, you know, you've barely been out in the last two years. We need to get you a little bit more into the community. That'll happen all, all the time. Yeah. Get you up in 316, hanging out at some of the Jet games. You'll really feel the love. Trust me on that. Yeah. Now I do. Speaking of shout-outs, there was someone else who shouted out in our comments on Friday's show, and we love reading the comments, so... Uh, you know, if you're coming in late, um, go leave one, and I, we can chat about whatever. But um, they said, oh, yeah, my favorite part of the show is the end, where you guys talk about whatever the hell you want. And I'm like, yeah, me too. This is why you're going to stick around to the end, because we can talk about uh, snowmobiling on the Red River and whatever else. There actually are some some Jets comments. Everyone wants to know, what are the Jets up to during the break? Um, people have been, Oh, this is your specialty. This the is Michael spe- Remus Winnipeg Jets off-ice update. Yeah, this is uh, this is the off ice update. So Adam Lowry's in Mexico. He posted on Instagram. Nice. Kyle Connor went to Hawaii. Uh, All those time zones make me nervous. Yeah, it's a long, we talked about it's a long that. ways away. He posted a hike and a helicopter tour. Um, Pierre Luc Dubois went to New York City. A lot of people in chat talking about this. Is he oh, looking Dubois for... to the Rangers confirmed? Yeah, well, he's not going to the Islanders. They just signed Bo Horvat. <laughs> no, so no, they don't. They won't have room unless there's a unless there's a Horvat Dubois trade uh, being being cooked up. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, should we get some room? What were you doing in New York? Was he with his bank? Maybe I'm not sure. He went to a Knicks game actually. Um, oh, nice. Nikolai Ehlers in Denmark with family. That's what I have written down there and. Just another Jets note, um, Dmitry Ryshevsky, Jets prospect. Uh, he was tearing up the KHL last year. He's having an okay season this year. Not as good as last year, but he's drafted in the fifth round in 2021. He just signed a two-year deal with Moscow Dynamo. So there was maybe some hope that he would come here 
um, play for the Jets. He's 22 years old, but at least not for another two years. So that's another prospect to watch. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Chibrikov is sort of the guy that I think we're paying a little more close attention to, but, I mean, he did have a real strong season last year in the KHL and uh, has played quite well this year for Dynamo with 30 points, 15 goals, and 59 games, which is pretty good for a younger player at the KHL level. Uh, and, of course, Super Bowl week's in effect, too. Both teams touched down in Glendale yesterday. The circus that is media night takes place this evening. And then practices and uh, all business for the Eagles and the Chiefs as they get ready for the big game coming up next Sunday. Uh, good show to get uh, right back into Man, it coming out of the weekend. I love Mondays. There's so much. Stuff. Even though we just had the All-Star game, we had the CFL free agency. Did have a lot of other notes? Um, I'll do give a shout-out to, oh, yeah, A.J. Green retired. That just came out. He was, you know, seven-time pro bowler. And Sonny Milano got a three-year deal. And I was surprised because he was a guy – who couldn't get nobody a contract. Nobody wanted him. Or nobody nope. wanted him, at least for what he was asking for, I guess, when he was a free agent after the season. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> two guys, Dylan Strome with that five-by-five five five deal last yeah. week, and now Sonny, uh, the Capitals, doing some work. Sonny, they're, so nice work for the Capitals, and as we do sign off, oh, uh, Larry Eloy says Perfetti was fishing in Florida. So there we go. <laughs> Doug, Doug, Phil, Bufflin was fishing in Minnesota. Yeah, he <laughs> pretty much... Um, yes, Walter Bengals. Great. Fantasy. Great as well. AJ yes. green had some big, big days to help guys win fantasy games over the years as well. He really was a great player. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that, you know, they moved on. It was AJ green. It was Ocho Cinco, TJ Hushmanzada. And now they've got this new group with, um, Jamar, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um, T. Higgins wants big money, though. He may very well be gone uh, next season because he's looking at 20, 25 mil, and I'm not sure the Bengals are going to be able to have that, which spoke to the urgency and the opportunity there for that team going into the playoffs. But again, it's the Chiefs and it's the Eagles coming up on uh, Sunday. We'll hit that throughout the week as we get closer to kickoff here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But tomorrow, a little more of a look ahead for the Winnipeg Jets before they get back on the ice uh, with the uh, few pra couple practices before returning to the ice in the NHL coming up on Saturday. South Asian Heritage Night, 9 p.m. game. Check out the Jets' website. They do have a couple neat ticket deals with the uh, a meal, the association sampler as well before the game. Check that out over at uh, the Winnipeg Jets' website. All right, we're going to get these pods up, folks. Fun show today. Thanks to Sean Shapiro, Jeff Hamilton, and always great having Nick Dembski on the show, especially after signing a three-year contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, thanks to all the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Hope you had a great one. Enjoy the, some beautiful weather outside, folks. Going to be a real nice week here in the peg after pretty chilly one last week, and now uh, we'll be back to do it all over again just under 22 hours from now, 1 o'clock tomorrow, live on YouTube. We'll see you then. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.